Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode 104 of the Galen Trombley Show. I have um, almost lifelong friend, pre- pretty pretty close to that. Um, I think we met, what, fourth? Fourth grade. Fourth grade. It yeah. is uh, the one and only Stephen LeBombard. Uh, welcome, welcome, Steve. Um, I was going to say Steve-O, but it's, do you get Steve-O a lot? This must be, that's it, right? A lot of high school friends, I get it. Still? Yep. It's like GT, but that's kind of transcend, that's kind of grown a little bit, but it definitely was a high school, uh, more of a high school thing. I think some uh, some terms always stay there, like some nicknames. Right. It's like the amount of people that we know they still call my nicknames. They probably haven't been called in years, but I'm like, dude, I don't know you any other way. Right. Also, when you grow up too, we still remember you as a, like what you were in high school. So I think that's why we never take our high school friends very serious because they're still the same, like degenerate that we went to school with and had a lot of fun with. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, so today. Steve, actually, anybody who does not know you, give them a little background. How you got to 2020, Steve LeBombard? 2020, huh. It's been a ride. <laughs> start, start all the way from the beginning. <laughs> I feel no, like I'm I, like Joe Dirt right now, just like on the telecast. No, uh, so pretty much born and raised between Shazy and Ross's Point. I uh, came here in fourth grade, so what's that, maybe? 2000? Yeah. I think it was 2000. Yeah, yeah. 99, 2000, somewhere in there. Uh, graduated from Shazy, went to Clinton, played a little soccer, went to North Country for a year. Uh, lived the dr- uh, yeah, we lived the dream there playing hockey. <laughs> didn't quite uh, didn't quite get to the NHL, and now we're back home. Um, yeah, two thousand. You know what I was thinking the other day? Some stuff came up. My memory from two thousand. Let's call it summer of two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Meaning I just graduated high school yep. to, I always say to like when I met Gina, so there's like, we're talking 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. There's probably a solid five years there that I have a very poor memory of. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it was, if it was like a mixture of leaving high school where you have a lot of structure to like all your friends going to different places, going to college, kind of doing your own thing. And then really not getting back until like a steady track until probably like 24 Mm-hmm. 23 24 maybe so did you like i feel like i really like lost touch with a lot of people early in my i don't know it was saw some people but like right. their life's kind of pull people in different directions yep. um and i find that i've kind of come more full circle back with some people as you kind of get more settled which i think naturally happens right do you find that, that happened after high school for you like in your because tw- we've we've hit basically third uh 10 years 12 12 years out but we've right. gone through all our 20s now yep it's crazy to think about but yep. Um, I just find that like things are now a little more steady than they were in the twenties. Twenties were just crazy. Early twenties, especially. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, uh, I think there's a core group that we regularly saw each other, stayed in touch, and everything. But everybody goes their separate ways. You know, not everybody goes to college in Plattsburgh or you know Clinton wherever they go. So you know, just 
what? people moving away, you know, maybe they come back to. But I think there's here. there's some guys I'm thinking of from high school that live away, but they still come back and still like make a point to see people. And I know you're like still like you're still close with like Goopal and Beeman, and right. yep. um, there's a lot of guys that are still here. I mean, well Taylor, you're still in con- I haven't seen Taylor in a yeah. long time, but he's actually he's down in South Carolina. Yeah, well, he's one that like I I don't I got away from. Taylor went in high school. I just didn't see him. We kind of went our separate ways, and I didn't h- hang out with him much. But Goop, I see all, like I see, when he comes up, I usually see him. And then right. Jake, I hadn't seen in a while, but I saw him this year at your house. That was a, your little birthday gathering was a blast because I somehow managed to sneak <laughs> to sneak out with no family, so it was just me. Yep. And I was probably there for a solid three, four, uh, probably three hours. Yeah. Maybe maybe four. Depend. Probably. Yeah. I know I was able to drink about six beers, so it yep. was good. It was good, whatever that stretch of time was, or four beer, whatever it was. But it was nice just to kind of get away and hang out with some guys, play cornhole. Yep. What's your favorite yard game? Cornhole. Is it? Yep. Without a doubt. Yep. Uh, I used to like can jam a lot, but now the joints don't move like they used to. So see cornhole. Yep. Can, cornhole's a little longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, can jam, you can end the game very quickly. I'm pretty good right. at can jam. Yep. If I have a, if I have a partner that's that's halfway decent, because mm-hmm. that's one where you got to like. Corn, cornhole too, but really as one person, cornhole can pretty clean. You can pretty much clean house as one person. Right. I guess you can can jam too, but most of the time you need someone to knock it in. Right. The uh, the one thing I wanted to do, have never tried yet. Have you ever played beer pong chip off golf? Where you play like a you cornhole. Mm-hmm. You'd put the holes, you put holes in for like beer, uh, beer pong, but you chip foam golf balls in. Huh. Or plastic. You've ever seen that? No. So it's the same idea. It's beer pong, but right. instead you're just hitting pitches from about uh, 10 yards away. Yeah. And you just try to pick into the spot, which obviously for people that love golf, like that just seems way more fun than throwing it. Right. So one of my things I want to do, I think this is right up your alley. It's just make make a cornhole, same thing, like same kind of board and just drill in whatever. That's easy to do. Drill in enough for 10 solo cups. Mm-hmm. And then as you pick them, you can still rearrange them. You can still the same rules as beer pong, but you can't throw it. That's Obviously, you have like you're not gonna like get it off the table and that stuff. But you can come up with different stuff, I guess. Like, yeah. or if it like maybe if it bounces on the like if you hit it and it skips in, someone can knock it off. There's like someone can like whack it off with their club, club. if it's gonna one hop in. Yep. Which I guess you could do. Try to do like a little yep. punch shot. Yep. I'm like thinking of this right now. Like this is something yep. I want to I want to do. Um, and then you really test your hand eye coordination. We'll turn the golf club over. You got to hit it with the handle. When somebody's hitting at you, if the ball oh, bounces, I get it. like that's how you clear the ball out. Yep, that would be kind of cool. Then you're not whacking cups with a with an iron or a wedge. I think if you just put the little plastic ball, mm-hmm. I don't think you well the plastic uh, the whiff like almost like the whiffle ball practice ball. Mm-hmm. I guess you could do it with the foam golf balls. Those fly pretty true. Yep, might get a little wet. That'd be a little. Yeah, it's all part of the fun, right? Um, so golf wise, we're we're actually full disclosure. We're watching the Masters here. Um, so I find there's a couple things each year that pull me away from most of my responsibilities. I don't think anything does it more than the Masters. This just happened to roll perfectly into November. So yesterday and today, kind of planned, kind of not planned. We just somehow was able to kind of carve out the time. So I'm going to watch a lot of Masters today. So we are kind of streaming it right now. Um, Steve, where, where did you start playing golf? Like, what, how, did you get, how did you get into golf, actually? Uh, so very young age, my grandfather in Ralph's Point actually had a, he cut down an old driver for me and we'd go in the backyard and I'd sit there and whack golf balls for hours at a time. What, how, what age were you? Uh, I want to say I was like three, just able to walk. 
Did, did you, when did you start playing on a course? Um, I know my grandfather took me out on weekends with him when he went out with his regular guys on like Saturday, Sunday mornings. I want to say between eight and 10 years old. Okay. So, cause I think the first time I played was when I was 10 yep. and then I played a lot. That was my favorite sport. We played a ton. Right. You, I still think to this day, and I haven't played with you a lot in the last 10 years. I still think I played more golf with you than anybody in my life yep. up at this point. Most of them obviously like yep. we, we definitely packed the, uh, the teenage years of golf. The, uh, I kind of looked at it like back when we played, like you and I were both about roughly about the same back then. Yep. And then I looked at, I didn't really touch. There was a couple years I didn't even play golf. Like right. didn't even pull out a club. There was a couple times I went out and played like two or three times. There was probably a stretch from 2010 through 2018 mm-hmm. where I probably played like less than 10 rounds. Which is crazy, and I wish if I would have stayed with it. Mm-hmm. But the crazy thing is now, I'm not very good. But when I do hit a golf ball now compared to back then, the ball flight's better. I hit it better. I, right. I actually have a better understanding of the swing now. For me, it's just getting the consistency and the muscle memory back to hit it. Mm-hmm. Um, I hit the ball longer. I hit the ball, I think, at a better trajectory than I used to. Mm-hmm. I think some of my short games a little better. Short game, at least understanding the short game is a little bit better. Necessarily, mm-hmm. obviously, the feel and pulling it off. Mm-hmm. Um, so where, where do you? Because basically, give give me like your golf career, being a fairly good golfer from, you know, probably when we started playing back in like junior high, high school till kind of where you're at now. Like, how's your yep. game gone up, down? Like, what, what? Give people some context. Your best score, your best handicap. Like when you were playing yep. your best. Yep. So. Um, actually, it's kind of funny you bring this up because I remember back when we first started playing, I think you were a little better than I was. I was always chasing you. We were always like oh, with, early on, with, yeah. within a couple shots, but I was like, damn, am I going to beat him one of these days? <laughs> so that, that little added motivation helped. But um, no, uh, I'd say right after high school, like freshman, sophomore year in college was, uh, was when I was at my best. Um, I was... Still, even to this day, that was still when you were best? Yeah, yeah. Uh, much more consistent. A uh, few less pounds on me, so I was more athletic. Just more consistent with everything. Because I think, what, what was the, was that your lowest handicap too at the time? Um, or like best, you mean, did you, did you feel the best? Were you actually scoring the best? Sco- scoring the best and the most consistent. Because I think when I used to play, you always hit the ball farther than me. This was like this is what I remember with you and I. I would go out, and I would shoot anywhere from. Very rarely to shoot par. I would say anywhere from thirty-seven to forty-one. Mm-hmm. I was going to shoot thirty-seven to forty-one every time I teed up the ball on both sides, no matter what. Yep. You were always thirty-six to forty-five. Yep. Like you were, you would, you had the potential to shoot low. I would even say take the 37 out. I was a 38 to 41. I had a very small range. You were 36 to 50 to 45. You would right. shoot. You could go lower than me, but you could go higher than me. So yep. my, I was just kind of one of those steady, steady guys. I, me getting a hold of a drive back in the day might have been 230 to 240. I think for yep. me back then was like. That was me getting right. a hold of the drive. Right. Realistically, but the thing was, 
And this is where I struggle because I played a few days ago, lucked out. And my biggest issue right now is just the consistency of hitting. So like for me, if I hit a golf ball halfway decent, it's going farther, better flight. Um, I have had some better, like some of my wedge shots this year. When I talk about spinning, I've actually spun back a couple wedge shots. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, obviously not consistent. It's not like I'm playing for a spin, but right. just like when it happens, it's kind of cool. But the idea that these things happen now, but I'll follow up like the amount of doubles and triples and quads I've had this year. I've hit a ball out of bounds, and then I'll follow it up with two, two, three bird or not birdies, a pars or a birdie, and then it's like okay, double, triple again. Right. So. The consistency aspect right now is tough where that was usually like, hey, I'm, I know I'm going to hit probably 10, 9 to 10 fairways. I'm probably going to hit 9 to 10 greens, mm-hmm. you know, and then right there is about an 80 golfer, I would say. Yeah. Like wh- when you go out, like what's your main thing you focus on playing golf? Because you shoot, give people context, like roughly if you're handicapped, what would you shoot now? Yeah, so right now my handicap's a three. Um, I would say consistently between when I'm playing a lot during the middle of the summer between 72 and we'll say 80, Mm -hmm. um, majority of those are roughly 75, 76. When I'm out there, my, my biggest thing is making sure that I'm not compounding mistakes. Mm -hmm. So if the flag's on the left side of the green, if I'm going to miss the green, it's going to be on the right side. We're not short siding ourselves. We're not giving ourselves an impossible up and down. And then next thing you know, you made a double, you know, guarantee that bogey if you get it up and down make a par well that's that's the the goal but you know keep those big numbers off the card so if you play because this is one thing that i'm smarter with now and again just because i've not very good so i have to keep doing this like if i hit a bad tee shot Mm -hmm. my initial thought as a kid i was like what club can i wrap around the corner and get as close to the green as possible and that was like my go-to shot was how far can i just hit this down the fairway to make up for my bad shot now I know, okay, you hit a bad shot. I almost played in my head is now it's a bogey. I'm playing for bogey, mm-hmm. but now it's instead of a par four, it's now a par, f- I'm playing for a five, but I'm right. starting 150 yards down the fairway in the, in the rough, or not mm-hmm. down, the, uh, down, down the hole in the rough. So then I look at what is my, typically what it, how can I get to 100 to 150 or right. maybe close depending, but I have right. a good shot where I can usually, usually most of the time it's, it's I'm pulling out a pitching wedge, nine iron, eight iron, and making up the 130 to 160 yards that I just kind of lost. Mm-hmm. And now I get to the point where I have a wedge. So it's like, can right. I hit a low iron into a right. wedge, hit the green, two putt, bogey, move on. That's obviously the goal. Right. I've done pretty well. If I focus on that, it usually allows me to get into that low 40 range, mm-hmm. knowing that I'm going to have a couple pars. Mm-hmm. I might I might get lucky and get a birdie. Um, the biggest thing though is that my best round this year, I had no doubles on the card. I shot 84. Yep. So, it, and the thing was, that was back in the day. Very rarely did I make a double. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of birdies, but I would par and bogey everything. Right. Um, what do you find, Ben, the, you've played a lot of tournaments. Mm-hmm. And this is something, too, as like, I've followed you in tournaments. Like, I see, you check the paper. I usually text you or I'll, I'll reach in, like, how'd you do? And yep. I think a lot of it is, you know, having been playing more rounds to golf than anybody was, has been with you or my dad or the two that I played the most with. Right. And to see you obviously on a, on a level where you're, you know, in the upper echelon of at least the local golfers and the local golf scene, I still like root for you as of, you know, even if I know some other guys, I'm always like, how does Steve will shoot? That's like the first thing that goes through. So what do you think's been the biggest 
hurdle or reason why you haven't broken through or because you go play, you know, whether it's the Masters North, whether it's another high high caliber tournament in the area, mm-hmm. you know, and you go out and it's like, hey, he has a capability to shoot just as well as all the other guys, but then he'll end up dropping an 80 or an 82 or an 84 right. and, and yep. then basically shot his way out of it. So, like, yep. where do you think that – Because and this has happened multiple years, so where do you point at, like, hey, this is the reason why it, I just don't get it done? Yep. So it's it's mainly in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, you get there, you get warmed up, you get antsy on the first tee. Next thing you know, you've, you've blocked one out of bounds, okay? Well, how am I going to get that back next hole? You can't think golf that way. Just play the game and see what happens. So for me, it's it's I got to get out of my own way. Do you find that you get if you make a mistake, does it eat at you for holes? Like like hypothetically, you hit one out of bounds, you make a double. Yep. yep. Like when you get on the next tee, like what's your thought on the next tee? Because because again, having known you back in the day, this was the reason why I always felt that you weren't at your peak of what you could be. Right. Was your your bounce back, a double bogey for you, at least back in the day, like crippled you for a couple holes. Right. And again, from my experience, a double bogey for me was just like, okay, just next shot, just hit in the fairway. Mm-hmm. And I was always like, you know what, whatever, it's done. I can't change it. I hit it. It right. is what it is. Right. I didn't try to make up strokes, but I tried to kind of right the ship right. and then not do any more damage. Mm-hmm. So do you find that, like, does, I don't know, like, what? You double bogey, you bogey, whatever, and you mm-hmm. go to. The, I mean, you're probably talking bogeys more than doubles, but say you make a bogey and you go yeah. to the next hole. Yeah, Bo- well, bogeys are going to happen. It's inevitable. You know, bigger numbers are going to happen too. But it's. I'm a lot better now than when I was younger. That's for sure. Um, I don't hit that panic button right away. If I make a couple in a row, then I. I get a little hot under the collar, mm-hmm. and then sometimes the the train goes off the rails there, but. Um, no, much better now. Um, on that next tee, you just gotta, just kind of like what you said, it is what it is. Let it go. Go see what you can do for the next couple shots. Do you find you manage the course well too? Much better now. Yep. Like depending, um, cause you have, the, uh, you have the length where you don't have to hit drive for every hole right. and you have the length where yep. you're like, Hey, maybe it's a, I'm just going to take a, I played a lot at the barracks this year. Like a number two at barracks. Do you, mm-hmm. you don't have to take your driver and drive, drive it. Like you could hit an yeah. iron out to. 100, yeah. 100 yards, yeah. 120 yards and hit a wedge on. Yep. I'm not saying you would. Like, I always go for number two because there's no really no danger. Right. You know, but I'm saying like certain holes where you may not have to actually go crazy. Like, do you find that you're, you you play to more yardages? Do you find that you play to more spots around the course versus just yep. grip it and rip it? Um, no, I try to play to a number. Like, my favorite number is like 115. 150? 115. 115? That's uh, depending on the wind. and. Was it 52? Um, it's a real solid sand wedge. Uh, if I'm a little bit into the wind, then it's a nice controlled gap wedge. What uh, What's in your bag right now? As far as? Like clubs. Yep. So what do you play? So I have uh, Titus Volke wedges. Like deg- I mean, and, and like degrees. Okay. So uh, 52, 56, and 60. Mm-hmm. And then irons up to what? Uh, up to my four iron. Uh, those are title okay. CP2s. Uh, I got a two hybrid, so I'm, I actually got a little gap there. Okay. So from the four iron to the two hybrid, and then I carry a, a strong three wood, which is 13 degrees. 13, yep. And then a, a nine degree driver. What a... So nine degrees. So what's, what's roughly your carry with your four... Or what not carry, but how far do you hit your four? How far do you hit your... Two hybrid. How do you how far do you hit your three wood? 
and driver? Um, so four iron. Um, I'm swinging well. I can probably get 205 out of it. Mm-hmm. Carry. Uh, the two hybrid, I can, I can move that. That's, the shaft is just really stiff, and I can swing it. 230? Uh, yeah, 230, 240. Mm-hmm. Uh, that strong three wood, um, 250, 255 if I hit it well. Mm-hmm. And then the driver is, um, depending on the flight that I choose, I can get it out there 300, but I'd say consistently 275. Yeah, that's, because I was trying to hit like, actually this year, so I went to the range a few times just to like, just to swing. I I've always liked hitting the range, so I ended up buying a swing speed calculator thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just kind of a little small generic one. It's um, it's not anything like a sco- like one of those Trackman things, yeah. but those are those are pretty sweet. Um, Bryson, I, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. He he should be teeing off here shortly, right? Or no? Is this is this the, actually? You know what? Here, let me go through. So so why I'm why I'm actually getting us to the actual telecast? I just realized this is not the telecast broadcast. There we go. This is what we want. Okay, so we're back in it, folks. Um, this is, yeah, this is the one we want here. So the, so I started hitting this, the, the trackman thing. So I, w- I was thinking like the old rule of thumb for professional golfers is that get up to 120 mile per hour club head speed. Mm-hmm. Then I really started to look, you, the average club head speed on the PGA tour is 114, mm-hmm. which I was just doing some research on that. And the crazy thing is the fastest I've gotten a club head speed on that. I think was 115. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, obviously, my 115 club head speed compared to their 115 club head speed, same speed, but they're obviously hitting the ball better angles, better right. you know on the face kind of thing. So I, but but the thing is, if I can play golf and I can get my driver out consistently 275, I'm I got the length. Yep. And the thing is, my so I switched this year because I hadn't bought a club in 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. My entire bag this year, I got a new driver. Yep. I got a new three wood. I put in a three hybrid and I put in a four hybrid, which I'll be honest, probably the two best decisions I have in my bag right mm-hmm. now. My five iron, I can hit on the range when I was hitting it well. There's a couple times, according to what I, the swing speed and the carry distance and everything, I got anywhere from two to 220. Now, now, this yep. was obviously on a range swinging multiple yeah. times. So this is the best of my swings. Right. I would say consistently I could probably hit that five close to 200. Mm-hmm. I would probably play it as my 190 to 200-yard club. Mm-hmm. And then breaking all the way down, like seven, eight, things like that, like they're not bad for distance purposes. But then it's – and the thing is when I hit the ball well, I hit a really good flight. Mm-hmm. The problem is this is what I learned. And this is this is stuff that I almost need like you or someone to look at. I was getting, I think, way too much lateral sway, meaning I was going onto my right foot, but I wouldn't like slide my hips, but I would definitely almost like lean too far back on that right side. So when I came down, I, I was always just inconsistent contact. I've been focusing a lot on players this year and watching how they turn. They don't, they have pressure in their back foot, but they just rotate. They right. don't actually like, there's no sway. So it almost looks like they stay in place. Right. And I mean, obviously, I know there's a little more weight that you can't see, mm-hmm. um, and then, and then just kind of driving everything forward. So I've been really researching the golf swing because, again, I haven't played consistently in ten years. YouTube wasn't a big thing for golf swing back then. Right. There was no GPS back when we played, or very. I mean, you had to have like 
you were pretty special if you had like a GPS range you right. know, Bushnell thing back when we were getting, well, yeah. not, at least when I was getting out of golf. Um, now, like I got one of those little Garmin things, which mm-hmm. it's not super sophisticated, but it gives me the yardage to the green in the front and in the back. And I'm like, yep. honestly, knowing the distance to the front of the green, mm-hmm. I make such better club decisions because I'm like, well, I don't need to hit at 160. I just got to carry the 145. So, right. yep. and I know my ball is going to probably release out. Mm-hmm. And I found that that little thing has, has you know, helped me you know, when I'm swinging well. So my goal this year, cause I'm starting to slowly get back into golf. So we'll play more next year. I, mm-hmm. This is the first year that I really, and COVID took half the year out. Right. I didn't really start playing until June, July. My goal next year is to get back to a single digit. And I don't think I'm far off with how I'm swinging. A lot of it just comes down to consistently. Cause I was playing with Alec the other day and Alec hit the ball I'm capable of hitting the ball the same. He just hit it so much. Like when I made pars and he was making pars, we hit it the same. Mm-hmm. Just he did it on four, you know, 13, 14 of the holes. And I did it on five of the holes, you know, right. and that was the difference. It was yep. like, okay. And, and he didn't make the, the quad or he didn't make a 10 on a hole. Cause I took, you know, threw out the tee and hit one in the water. Right. Like, so I just think that the game of golf is, it's fascinating to me. It, it always is. It has right. been, it's yeah. still like my, I think my favorite sport um, especially when you start watching them, like, what is this guy? What is, he, is this Tommy? I don't know who this guy is. Why does he got like a, why is there just randomly a Sam's club, like tote bucket sitting there? <laughs> I wonder what's in there. Did you know they're not putting ropes down this year? Yeah, no, they're, they're, um, and there is people walking around. They said they were allowing, uh, like players, wives and girlfriends and coaches to walk around and, and i think you can see him but, and i think yeah. they said uh uh members of the course too members yep because i know when tagger teed off he had some, well there was a lot there was actually quite a bit of people at the honorary start thing yep is this uh in the rain this guy right here is it m m yep korea is it it must be korean i have a friend that's korean looks just like him so every time i see him <laughs> i just like all i can picture is him not not athletic, not a very good golfer, but looks just like him. Justin Thomas, this kid is I like him. He's one of my favorite yeah. players on tour. I think he's funny. This guy this if this guy doesn't get a broadcasting job when he's done playing golf, I'd be shocked. Yep. Who who's your favorite golf broadcaster? Uh broadcaster, analyst, any golf personality that talks about golf. I like Faraday. Really? Yeah. Just personality wise or just like what he has to say or what? Well, I just I just because he's kind of quirky. Yeah, and I, he doesn't take it too seriously. He's always he's always having fun. He used to be a pro golfer, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. He's won some some decent tournaments. I would say my favorite. If you had to pick Galen, who do you want to call in a tournament? It's Jim Nance, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, if it's a it's if it's a commentator, my favorite commentator, and I know some people don't like him. I love Brandel Chambly. When he does the live, yeah, that guy is. I mean, his job is to research golf, right. but the amount of like stats that guy just whips out, mm-hmm. I'll be, I'll be honest too. Oh, we got to pay homage here. The goat tagger walking to the tee. MH is standing. I'm surprised. I should have got him. Man, we should have got MH for this. So sidetrack. Okay. We're just taggers teeing off at what time? Two thirty. What time we have now? One thirty-five. Almost one thirty. So we got an hour. We got an hour. Yep. Um, I am 100% number one point for Tagger. Oh, absolutely. The only reason I say, and I'm a Phil dude. So, I Phil or Tagger. I'm still a Phil Tagger guy. Do I want Rory to win? Yes. Do I want Justin Thomas to win? Yes. Ricky Fowler? Yes. Bryson? Yes. Those are probably the four. Um, but 
Tiger sitting at four. No bogeys yesterday. My only concern is he shot four under with no bogeys, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, good and bad. But, you know, if he has a bogey or two, is he capable of making more than four, four birdies? And then you look at it, you know, if he made two bogeys, he's only, I mean, only, but he shot two under. So he's going to fall behind the pace of these guys. And I, I think this tournament is going to be a pretty low tournament just because it's pretty wet out there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's only going to get, well, I, I think they have some weather kind of throughout the week. But yesterday morning when this thing was pouring down rain, did you see like the raindrop? It was like standing water out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is, it, it's cool. This is the best tournament of the year by far. Yep. It's the, if I had, if you said we get one tournament to watch the rest of your life, it's the masters without a doubt. Absolutely. Um, the, I do love the U S open, but there's something about the masters. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So the other thing I found out this year with golf. So wedges, I, I did a lot of research on stuff. So the couple things that I found out, number one, I had to get a three iron and a four iron out of my bag. I could probably hit a four iron dip pretty good, mm-hmm. but not as well as I'm going to hit a hybrid just because right. of the height. Um, so I got rid of that and I'm kind of embraced the hybrid. I think when I switched away from it, I was hitting the ball well as a kid. I'm like, I don't need a hybrid. I can, cause I got rid of yeah. a hybrid. I'm like, I can hit an iron. And yeah. then I realized like just because I can hit it roughly the same distance, I can't carry it right. and I can't get the height. So for me, sure. If I'm 220, 15 yards out, I can run a three iron up there, but if I have water or, or trouble, right. I got to take a hybrid and carry it. Um, and to be honest, the hybrid ball flight to me is just a better ball flight. And usually I can draw them. So I have a nice, like high, yep. like when I'm playing well. Um, the other thing I really learned this year is wedges. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize the wedge gap. Mm-hmm. So when I was doing research on it, Bob Volke, the guy who came out with wedges, mm-hmm. literally said the number one thing about wedges was the distance gap for the actual lofts versus anything else. Right. The grinds weren't, the bounce, none of that made more sense than the dist- of the, the gaps. Right. So I did some research. My clubs that are definitely obsolete now, they're 10 plus years old. Those things, my pitching wedge was a 46. So I went down from a 52, 56, 60, down to 50, 54, 58. Yep. So that's what I currently carry, which originally I was like, well, I really like my 60, my 60-degree mm-hmm. wedge. But the thing is, a 58, you can get to a 60 or more. You just open it more. Right. And it's really not that big of a deal. The benefit I found is my 50 and my 54, I do get a little bit more of that nice carry mm-hmm. yardage. So my 50, my 50 instead of my, my old 52 going like maybe 1. 15, mm-hmm. I can pretty much get my 50 up to about 125. Right. So when I got my pitching wedge, it's going 135, 125, and you get a 54 degree can now, that can now consistently go about 115. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in a good spot. My 58, though, it's kind of weird because the grooves are considered like a, they call them like an M grind mm-hmm. on the Vokey. So it's I find that when I hit it sometimes, because it's, I did research and it's like, you're supposed to hit it more in kind of like open face shots. Right. And if I keep it closed and try to play, which is kind of like I can get like a nice like 80-yard flight out of it, it always seems like it kind of cuts on me. So I'll go down and yeah. swing it and it'll hit, but it almost feels like the grooves or whatever kind of spinning the ball with a little extra side spin. Yep. And I don't open my my iron or my – I don't open them up much on the full swing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I'm trying to kind of fiddle around, but then you take a 58 and kind of just go slightly, maybe down to a 60, 61 degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the – I don't know. Wedges are my favorite part of the game, but I've been struggling lately with them. Yep. So, so you do hit a full shot with your sixty? Well, you said fifty-eight. Fifty-eight, right? rarely. Yeah. It's not. It's usually yeah. my. 
I would much rather open up a 54 mm-hmm. and just play like a 54-yard pitch from 80 to 100 yards right. than pull out a 58 and swing it closed. Yep. Or a uh, square, I should say, not closed. Yep. But I don't, I don't hit... I don't have any full shots with a 60-degree wedge. I just never got comfortable with it. I'd rather, I'd rather hit a half a half a sand wedge. Do, do is that kind of par from like is that a, is that normal for most people? No, it's actually the opposite. So a lot of people do hit full. Like I'm, I'm thinking about just around our club, guys like Cody Roberts, Bart Van Leeuwen that have success and they play very well, very good golf. They uh, they have that shot in their bag. The sixty degree, yep. The full swing, full. Well, con- well, I mean, c- controlled, yeah, but yeah. controlled. Like, yeah, I yep. mean, more than just like they're they're not pitching it. They're they're they're, they're swinging a little yep. bit more. Yep. Um, I, my sixty, I used to be able to, but even with my sixty, I always worried about just almost like coming down too much on it. Or right. a lot of times, a lot of times, I would actually kind of come into it. I guess not steep enough, and I would almost like blade it because I'd come in right. And it was hard for me to make because you got to think that I mean a sixty is a pretty flat club, right? So when you're coming down into the ball, unless you hit it good, like I would be just short, just a bit. Yep. I could find that I'd come up and kind of hit on the bottom of it and would shoot it out real quick, right? So my sixty, I always had a very hard time keeping that consistent. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't hit those shots at all, and it's something that I gotta, I gotta teach myself to to have that shot. My problem is, I feel like my ball contact is always very good. I can't control the trajectory. So high. So, so okay. So go into that a little bit. So, like with my sand wedge, I could, I can hit it low. I can hit it high. I know both of them are going to spin. One's going to spin more, obviously. But the sixty, I feel like everything it either floats in the air or, you know, if if you do happen to hit the ball on the back of the ball, you blade it. Like I can't. There's no consistent ball flight. Does that make sense? Yeah. So. So this is something I, even when I was playing my best, very rarely did I have flights to mm-hmm. the ball. For me, I was always, I had one flight. I was like, I'm just going to hit it. I know roughly how far I'm going to hit it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm going to hit it ballpark. If it's something that's a tight hole, I'll air a little bit to the safe side. Like you said, don't don't like jam yourself up short-sided. Mm-hmm. Um very rarely, especially even with wedges, I don't practice high, I don't practice low. I did at the time know how to manipulate the ball a bit. Mm-hmm. I knew if I put the ball a little bit back in my stance, it kind of has a shorter follow through, I could keep it low. Same thing. Put it close, put it a little forward in my stance, kind of open my stance up slightly and just, you know, really just swing full. I could get the ball up. Um, but I don't think I can sit, like if I was dead center of the fairway, mm-hmm. unless there was a ton of wind, I'm hitting just a shot. Yeah, and I don't know if that's what good golfers do. That was always what I did, but like I know, like the pros don't. They have they have thousands of shots. Yeah, they have a bunch of different trajectories yeah. for different spins. Right. Um, like that guy just hit the ball there. Like, yeah. I would say that was kind of a on a chip shot, probably a nice little medium to low trajectory. Mm-hmm. You know, got it stopped, kind of hit, bounce, skip. Um, but like in a fairway, do you, are you still trying to hit high and low? Yes, and the the flag will determine that. So if it's in the back, I'm assuming more low. If it's in the low. front, higher. Yep. Um, and the reason for that is if you hit it a little lower, sometimes it'll skip for you, and then you know it'll stay in the back. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you hit it high at the back and you're into a slope, maybe that thing zips off the front of the green. It's been back to me. Right. 
and or just sits. Right. So, so you wouldn't be worried about if you were to hit it, hypothetically balls a little bit higher up, tears up a little bit, balls in the back or clubs in the back or uh, sorry, holes in the back. You hit the ball long, maybe with a with a high shot, and it happened to land middle of the green. You're pretty much stuck, it's middle of the green. Right. But you you would have no issue if you hit it low, potentially running through and going into the back. No, no, because uh, as often as I change, I try to buy new wedges every year, mm-hmm. so the grooves are pretty sharp. So I know ninety five percent of the time, if I hit that low shot, it'll take one hop, skip back there, and it'll stop. What a what kind of wedges you play? You Callaway? Volkies. Oh, you go back to Volkies? Yep. Oh, I thought you had... Did you have Callaways? I had Cleveland. Or Cle- I meant Cleveland, yeah, yep. yeah. When did you switch to Volkies? This year. Gotcha. What, what, what one do you have? I got uh, the SM... I got the eights? sevens. You get the eights? Sevens, eights. The eights are the newest ones. Okay, so the sevens. Okay, so I got the same as you. Yep. They're awesome. I love those yep. wedges. Um, I did some research on them. Part of, and again... I. I dove right into it, but I couldn't be happier with the ones I picked. And the, right. I used to have a, I, I still do. I mean, I have a 52 that really didn't have a lot of play because I, I only played the 52 on full shots. Mm-hmm. So around the green, unless it was a bump and run, which I would say 95% of the time I'm opening a sand wedge or a lob wedge and playing some type of like higher pitch shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't play a lot of, you play a lot of low shots around. Like, what's your go to shot if you kind of like, you could go high, you could go low. I mean, obviously, I know you, it's factoring in the you know the right. fairway or the greens and everything, but in the lie and stuff. But what's your what's your go to if you could hit both shots? What do you typically lean towards? I I try to get the ball on the ground as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. I want it to start rolling like a putt, and for a couple of reasons, you can see the break of the green. If you happen to hit it by the hole, you can see what it did, um, and I just think it's much easier to control. No, I think you're spot on. Yeah. My my go to is always has always been higher just because mm-hmm. I find that for me at least I know it's I don't know, it just feels more comfortable than mm-hmm. trying to like hit a low shot and run out. Because sometimes my, my my ability to stop the ball is based on is based on more like height than it is by spin. Right. So I have to rely on basically the angle and the gravity of coming down. The I was thinking this this year it's like I really got to get better at just getting that ball down on the ground like mm-hmm. just playing maybe playing a little bit back or trying to keep your hands a little bit lower and just you know yep. kind of scoot it um I think I can it's just one that again yep. I got to get better at the let to play a little bit more but yep. I, I really think this year if I can get down to a single digit which I think I can oh for sure because 90 down to I would say right now I'm about a bogey golfer mm-hmm. but I don't think I'm far off from an 80 it's just kind of like stop hitting out of bounds and right. clean up a couple you know, short game shots, get up and right. down on a hole or something. Right. Now back to your, uh, getting the ball on the ground. Like there's a lot of the times where I'm on the apron of a green. I have no problem grabbing a nine iron to hit that bump and run. I don't always go to a, a gap wedge or a sandwich. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing that I, I, of course, like back in the day, like the people that would like pull out a six iron and just bump the six iron and pull yep. out. I remember this was like, Call like old man golf, like just yep. just bump and run it. Doesn't matter. It's gonna be no spin. You're just gonna let everything roll out. And then I started to get to him like, oh no, like pros don't just hit the ball. Like, and yeah. of course, I are we pros? No, but they they understand what they're doing. Right. So I like watch them. Like, very rarely is a pro gonna take 
a club like that, if they're on the apron or if they're short of the green, you'll see them bump a nine or a pitching wedge or even eight iron up and stuff. But mm-hmm. most of the time, like even this, obviously there's not a lot of green to work with. Yeah. Guarantee he's probably got like some kind of 58, 60 degree wedge, mm-hmm. plays it up. Obviously he's, he's good, can spin it, but like mm-hmm. checks out. But like that, so like right there, I would have I took a 58, opened it up and tried to just, just carry it probably just on or just short of the green to one hop on, mm-hmm. let it check up. But like, the old days when it was like, I'll oh, pull out the five or the six iron from anywhere and just like punch it up. Like that doesn't make sense. So, but the, the pitching wedge of nine iron, which is crazy. It's such a easy shot. I just never yeah. play it. Yeah. Especially when you got a, like, you got a quite a distance. You're going to like a back pin. You're on the front of the green. Just like pitch it back there. Yep. And one of the big things that I like about those clubs is like a wedge, uh, uh, the face of a wedge is pretty dead. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, you get a pitching wedge or a nine iron, and it's got a little more jump. Is that you can feel it, right? Yeah, like you can hit the same shot with a with a gap of fifty two degree wedge, or your fifty, and a pitching wedge. The loft isn't entirely that much more or less, depending on how you're looking at it. But the ball is just going to go farther because the pitching wedge has a lot of jump off the face. Is that just the way they make them? It must be right, because yeah, think, I mean, unless you got a, a set of blades, which well, when I was doing, re- I mean, like a Vokey, they go all the way up to fifty six for a wedge. Like I was kind of contemplating, do I keep a fit? Do I keep a pitching wedge, mm-hmm. like part of the stock iron set, or do you get like a Vokey fifty six or uh, forty six? I don't know if there's a if there's a benefit to either. I've always felt I've always played the the pitching wedge within the iron set, right. But I've never bought I've never bought a wedge set with an, a sand or an approach wedge or a sand wedge. I've right. never gone below a pitching wedge. I'm right. always like I like wedges. Yep. Like I'm a big I'm a th- I'm always a well, I guess pitching wedge. So you're a four wedge person, right? Um, but I don't know if I would because I thought about that. I'm like, do I just get a fifty a forty six? But I find it, I don't think it would be as beneficial as just hitting a normal club. Right. I think well, I get more jump with the. Well, if yeah, cuz your your irons are probably they got a little bit of a cavity back, right? Yeah. So they get that that jump. So if you did go with like a Voki 46 or whatever for a pitching wedge, you're not going to hit it as far as you would a standard pitching wedge with a cavity back. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um You had the what the AP2s for the irons? Yep. Titleist? I think I've I've lo- what's your thought on ping? I used to shit on ping back in the day. I didn't like ping, but now I've like researched ping a little bit. I'm like a lot of people I know have ping. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't looked at irons in years. It's not really my favorite. They don't. I don't like the way they look. That's it. It's an aesthetic thing for me. Yep. But I'm I, sure they perform well. I mean, obviously, there's guys on tour that have them, but I just when I look at a golf club, it's got to fit my eye. So, so when I was, uh, th- this is the thing. Okay, so when I played. I don't understand why. I remember going, and I, I was a tailor-made guy as a kid. Mm-hmm. Tailor-made driver, tailor-made three-wood, tailor-made uh, irons. I think the only thing I didn't have was my wedges were, I think, Cleveland back in the day, and mm-hmm. Odyssey Putter, and that was my set. And then I remember in 2009, 10, something like that, I'm like, I'm going to get irons. I went down down south, went to a demo day thing, tried all these clubs, and we're going to get it fitted, whatever. It was great. I hated Cleveland anything. But Cleveland wedges because I hated VJ Singh. I still don't like VJ Singh. Don't ask me why. He's a Cleveland guy. Didn't like him. I screw it. I don't want Cleveland. Well, what happened was, so I go down to get I go down to get an entire new set of clubs minus my putter. Mm-hmm. I go down, 
And I was kind of the guy aesthetically had to had to look good. Mm -hmm. I was very I'm a traditional looking guy, like the traditional set. I don't like all the funky colors and weird weird schemes. So I kind of got away from title or uh, TaylorMade at the time because they went to like the white, like whatever it was back in the day, R seven, R nine, right? And they had that uh, the burner, whatever it was. It was that white head, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, I just don't like the white head. I used to have the favorite club of all time, the RX five TaylorMade five eighty XD. Yep. That was my driver. Love the look of that. Very traditional, set up nice. Yep. That would be one today I would probably still put in the bag. Mm-hmm. If I could, I'm sure I could find it. Find it on like a second tier, like eBay or something. Yep. Actually, I still have mine. I had the R580. You had the 580. I didn't do the XD. I don't know. I don't even know the difference. I, extra distance. I have no clue. Yeah. <laughs> Not that it really mattered, but it was But it was like such a good, the driver used to be like one of my best clubs. Yep. And so I went down and same thing, had all my clubs. Like, what am I going to pick out? So my wedges, my, my irons, I had down between TaylorMade and Mizuno. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I wanted TaylorMade or Mizuno um, irons. So I went down first, hit them all. I, this was back with, is your AP2 set an old set? No. So do they keep? Well, uh, it just came out maybe last year. There's 718 AP2s. Okay, so this was the original one. They came out the AP1, AP2. This was yep. back like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I liked them. Like those look really sharp. Mm-hmm. I went to hit them. I hated them. They didn't like. And of course, that would, and the problem is when you go to like a demo day, it's like how you feel on that day kind of deal. Well, that and then what shafts are they putting in them for? Well, you? That's that's it. So um, I wasn't really sure. So I was just hitting them. It was kind of their stock shaft, whatever yeah. they had there. So I was hitting them, whatever. And it wasn't. I just didn't feel like they were. I don't know. And you can. T- it's hard to explain, but it just didn't have a good feel to me. Right. So then I ended up trying out the Mizuno and the Mizuno like just felt like butter. I was like, I'm like, these things just feel so good. So I ended up getting the Mizunos. And, uh, so then the Mizuno rep, and of course I'm like 19, 20, mm-hmm. very naive. Don't know. Like the guy's like, of course the Mizuno reps going to sell the Mizunos. But he's like, Hey, why don't you try the wedges? If you like the irons, try the wedges out. I was strict. I'm like, I'm going Vokey or I'm going Cleveland. And I was a big Cleveland guy back then. And uh, I started hitting them, and I really, I'm like, these are actually really nice irons, and or wedges. So I ended up getting Mizuno wedges, mm-hmm. and I'll be honest, I love Mizuno wedges. They mm-hmm. they were really good, and I actually contemplated getting them again for this set, but I'm like, eh, there was not as many um, options for mm-hmm. them. So I went with Vokey has a ton of options. So I right. go Vokey. So then, the biggest miss of this entire thing was. I hit the TaylorMade, and I'm like, I just don't like the look of it. Like, mm-hmm. And again, I'm, I'm an aesthetic guy. It's got to look good when I set up. Kind of like a confidence thing. If you put right. the club down, it's got to feel good. Right. And uh, I remember the Cleveland at the time was like the, I don't even know what they called it, a 280, whatever, I don't know, whatever the verbiage was for it, the name of it. And it looked kind of like the old, remember the old Titleist clubs? They kind of had that off. They weren't shiny. They were a little more matte finish. And this had just kind of a gold shaft, plain, plain, plain head. There wasn't a lot of frills to this thing. It was very basic. And I like, I kind of liked it. And uh, so I bought that in the three wood. And I hit them pretty good that day. So I'm like, man, I don't like, I don't like them, but I'm hitting them well. So I'm like, I should. And they look good. Mm-hmm. Um, or I should say they look plain. Right. They, I say good. They look right. plain. So I ended up getting them. I, I never I like that was one of those clubs I just never really liked ever and I just took it out of my bag this year mm-hmm. so my thing this year I'm like I'm buying it I got the Vokies those are the first things I'm like you know what I'm getting I got to get a hybrid 
I got to get the three wood out of my bag, three out of my bag. I went on that three ball site that you gave me. That's a phenomenal site. Yep. And uh, so I bought all the clubs and then I'm like, I'm only getting tailor-made driver, tailor-made wood. And for whatever reason, I'm like, I'm just going back to tailor-made mm-hmm. and I get it. I'm not looking at the pros, like the pros. I, I know they have, you know, this is the first time I've seen like families. So here he is. Here, Bryson. You know, it's him. It's gotta be. Yeah, definitely him. Oh yeah, I can't wait. Savage, this guy is going out with his Bose headset. I wonder who he's playing with today. Is that his, oh, that must be his coach. He's gonna shoot. I'm guessing Bryson shoots 66 today. That's my guess. He's feeling it. He's feeling it. Just look at this guy, just walking around. Playing he's, with coach. He's a nut, but I, I love him. So, um, so the so the whole thing was like I'm I'm gonna get these clubs. Well. I'll be honest, when I'm swinging them well, and this is also the first time I've had adjustable weights. Mm-hmm. I've never had them before. I did a ton of research on them. I don't know if it's helped my game, but the three wood's easy because the three wood on the M5, mm-hmm. you can slide it to fade or draw or neutral. Right. I did research. I put it to the draw setting, which adds more weight to the, the heel, mm-hmm. which means the toe is supposed to close a little bit quicker. In theory, I'd rather... I like the... I like hitting a draw, but then I started thinking, should I just get used to hitting a nice little fade, just a little high fade, which is not a bad ball flight. A lot no, of pros play it. It's much more controlled. Yeah, exactly. So then I thought about it, but I'm like my natural currently, I don't overhook it. I usually slice it, mm-hmm. but that might change. The driver, the M5 driver is pretty wild because it's like you're moving weights back and forth inside the side. But I think mm-hmm. they got away with that. The track, the T track, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. So what, what's the new club? Is it the M? The Sim. The Sim. The Sim doesn't have that, right? Correct. So what? Is the, what does that have any weight? Adjustable weights or no? Because the thing is, if they if they put all this extra stuff into adjusting the M five, and then all of a sudden, which I thought would be like, hey, listen, you have even more control over what you can do, and then they're like, oh no, by the way, we're getting rid of that and just going back to a normal driver. Yeah. I want to know what the specs are of the new Sim. Yep. So it has one weight. But if you were to take that, I mean, do they have a, oh, so the weight's up front. Yep. Now, I don't know what they did with the technology. Well, first, before we get into hmm. that, what do you think of the twist face technology? Well, I'm not good enough to, to use it, but base. Compared to the driver that you had previously. I, I love the, the club I have now. If I swing it correctly. Yep. It blows my other club out of the water. Well, yeah. Technology came a long way. Yeah. What do, do you think your misses fly farther? That's the the purpose of the twist face is to allow your misses to fly farther and I think a little straighter. So my... I don't know. Um, my... I guess my misses right now, they still go a decent distance. Like the other day, I played, played bluff, hit a ball... Not great. Pull, and not, I say great. I, I hit it decent, but I hit, pulled it left down number four, the par five. Mm-hmm. I probably hit it 260. Okay. Pulled it down the left side, maybe yeah. hit it kind of caught in the tree, whatever. But I, I probably carried it 250. You know, it was, and I hit, I hit it pretty good. Mm-hmm. I hit it. I usually miss off the heel. I don't miss the toe. Very, my, my toe, my club, if I gave you, actually in my car. Show them to you. If I actually showed you the face, there's not a ball mark right of the of the center of the face. I miss everything on the heel, and I put the weight into the heel so the, the toe closes quicker. Mm-hmm. 
if I put the weight towards the toe, it would be still dragging behind. So I really lead, I guess, with the heel. That's why a lot of my shots, I think, maybe I'm wrong, are more of the fade, mm -hmm. right? I slice some, on a miss hit, I'll slice it. But I have, you know, I've done a bunch of different stuff. When I really get a hold of the ball, though, it's a draw. Mm -hmm. And all my clubs. When I, when I hit them the way I want to hit them, I always draw the ball. And not yeah. much. It's like a nice little couple yard draw very controlled perfect yeah and it's like the perfect it looks pretty down the middle um but i don't know if it makes my misses better and the only reason i'm saying that is is now again i think the technology is there i have to get better so like part of it is i don't want to say I, the technology is obviously phenomenal mm -hmm. the one thing i do kick myself on and i cheaped out on it's the only thing i cheaped out on my whole set this year the three hybrid that i bought the m3 i think it is mm -hmm. i wish i would have gotten the sim and or the m5 or 6 yeah so i bought the i bought the i bought the m3 I just it's okay but it just doesn't feel great obviously mm -hmm. when you hit it well it kind of does but yeah. it just feels kind of weird yeah. the other one i bought i bought do you know the gapper? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about. So that. about the four gapper, which if I hit that correctly, mm -hmm. it is a really nice ball flight. Right. My problem is I'm not that good. So like my consistency, if I go to hit 10 shots, I might hit five or six that are really good. I'll hit two or three that I'll hit probably one or two that are okay. And then two that are just God awful. Mm -hmm. But the ball flight's pretty nice. Now that looks like an iron, right? It's a heavy, it's like a. So they have the mid, low and high. Yep. I got the high. The high looks like a, a skinny, traditional hybrid. Yep. Then you go down to like, I think the low is almost like a driving iron. Okay. Now is that mid, low, high supposed to replicate ball flight mm -hmm. trajectory? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of where the center of gravity is and stuff. And mm -hmm. so this, so I went on the range a few times and hit it. If I hit that, well, it's a four hybrid. It goes in the air fairly high. Mm -hmm. um, much higher than my irons. And then I would say it probably, I can probably consistently carry it somewhere in the, around 220 to 225. That's pretty solid. And it's good. And if I hit it, it's usually a nice draw and it's about 220 to 225. Same thing. If I get out and I really hit my three hybrid, well, it's somewhere between 230 and 240. And that's kind of like, that's, I'm fine with those distances with mm -hmm. the idea that if I get my five up around 250, Mm -hmm. Which I think would be my three wood. Sorry, my five, my three wood, mm -hmm. and then my driver on two seventy five. I'd be happy with those. Yeah. And the other thing that like everybody's always after distance, but I mean you played enough golf. To, like half of your shots are inside of a hundred yards. Yes. So when you're spending money trying to gain distance, it's like, does it provide value to you in order to justify it? So my thing when I was looking at clubs. I agree. I'd much rather be a very good short game guy. Right. Give me 100 yards, 150 yards and in. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that's like, there's times I went to the range this year and I hit nothing over a nine iron. Right. Maybe I'd say maybe an eight iron. Mm -hmm. Eight or below and I just kept hitting wedges and, and irons just to get, those are your scoring clubs. And, but I've also found in my game, the control of stuff is not great. But if I look at the, from a distance perspective, I would like to hit a driver 275 consistently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you might get to three here and there if you had, you really hit it well, but I don't want to hit anything that's really under 275. Mm -hmm. And then, but then proportionately go back because I find that I can, 
if you take the carry distance of pros probably up to their eight iron i'm probably the same yeah well you got to be careful with that too because a lot of them they tend to deal off their irons so their their, their seven iron might be the loft of my eight no the other way it could be like a five okay so maybe but if i go most of the time when i look at that someone's like what do you hit their eight iron most most guys are like my eight iron probably goes 160 mm-hmm. 165 my eight iron i usually play for about 160 mm-hmm. and i think that's salt but then once you go to like them 170 for them it's like well, my 170 might go 175 my 170 is like 170 max and then like my six iron can go like 185 190 mine's going maybe 180 max but so i start to lose distance as i get like past probably this eight iron mm-hmm. and i don't know if that's probably just my consistency of hitting you know because these guys like it's incredible when they can draw you know they can take a seven iron and hit it 190 yards my seven iron at best is going 170 but i can right. so there's obviously a, i mean i'm screwing up my longer clubs right but it's the idea that they blow by me when they start getting to those higher clubs mm-hmm. a lot of that is just ball contact and a little easier to hit and not to get off topic but you said six iron do you remember well obviously you remember it's a staple the classic our, i know exactly where you're going it, tell the story you know, it, Tell the whole background. Why? Why? Yes. Go. Go ahead. So, golf at the school before the golf course opened, or if we didn't have a ride. Yep. Times so, were tough in high school, right? Or junior high. So, um, M H, the, the the famous Michael Henry. He, he's, uh, he's actually an alumnus of the Gail and Trombley show. Yep. Um, he created a golf course in the back of the school, and we were hitting to. Well, this particular hole was. I don't know, what do you, maybe 80 yards, 60, 70, 80 yards? Yeah. 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 So what, what was it a, a Mrs. Baldwin's pipe henge? Yep. So it's a... Is that a real thing, a pipe henge? I'm, I'm going to Google it while you're talking. Uh, I don't even know, what is it, study stars? <laughs> I think so. So anyway, we're, we're... Pipe henge. You know, we're 80 yards out, and Mike takes a, a full cut out of six iron. It's about... 20 feet in the air, dings it off the, the pipe hinge, and that's a six iron for you. <laughs> pipe Ho- hinge. Hole in one. Did we call it the pipe hinge? I, I called it Mrs. Baldwin's thing. <laughs> but they always call it a pipe hinge. Yep. Unless I'm looking at the wrong thing, a pipe hinge is literally a bracket that holds two pipes. Yeah. There's no, no way we call it the pipe hinge. Hinge or hinge? I... I'm going to say pipe hinge space. Pipe hinge space. Yeah, because it studies stars, right? No, it is a pipe hinge. Oh, there it is. Just celestial climbing frame. Eyeball observatory. Wow, there it is. It's called a pipe hinge. Hmm. It, that's actually what it is. So just Google pipe hinge. Henge. P-I-P-E. Pipe H-E-N-G-E. Pipe hinge. The picture that comes up, some old dude sitting under this thing. That is exactly what we had. Mm-hmm. Colorful. Obviously, there's a lot of science to it. We just thought it was this metal thing you could climb on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird that we had that there because that was a great golf hole. Well, that and like for educational purposes, I don't know if we ever went out there once to look at it. No. I, <laughs> I, I, I think, honestly, all we did was played a golf hole to it yeah. a couple times. Yep. So what I remember about that shot, and the biggest the biggest thing on this was that MH, 
I would say, um, on a scale of on on, the, on our friend group of golfers, our average friend group, yep. probably trended towards the low end. Yep. Uh, but I think MH was one of those guys. He brought the fun, not the golf, and we that's what we loved about him. Right. And uh, so so he and it. The, and what I guess I guess we didn't get to. So we're basically again, I guess like you said, eighty yards mm-hmm. at a telephone pole. He hit this thing like ten feet up the telephone pole, fifteen feet up on a line, meaning this thing was going across the road and probably smashing into someone's house. <laughs> so how big is a telephone pole? Maybe a, a foot in diameter, if that. Maybe yeah. You basically had a foot, not even, yeah, ten inches, eight inches, saving this house from a golf ball, and he hit it, and then he turns around. Meanwhile. 80 yards, he probably hit this thing 130. Oh, yeah. Just turned on it on a line and hit this thing, and it probably, I don't know how far back it bounced or bounced away. I mean, in our game, it was a hole-in-one. Yep. Three inches to the left is a broken window. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, we all had, like, wedges that we were, like, kind of flighting into this thing and, like, <laughs> kind of, like, hitting these little half shots. I really can't believe we hit didn't hit more valuable things. I think someone hit a car one time. Oh, I'm... There's, yeah. I never hit one in the, uh, but this was like, we were actually, like you and I were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Some of our friends that went and played didn't play a lot. You know, they were, they were definitely susceptible to uh, maybe some missed shots. Yeah. Some bad swings here and there. Um, but the thing is like back in the day, if you're a golfer, hitting the golf ball around a school, at least what we used to play was a phenomenal way to play. Right. I mean, just hit target golf. It wasn't right. like you weren't putting or anything, but it was just hitting your ball striking. Right. I had fun. I used to love playing. Oh, that's there. great. We did that almost. I mean, even to this day, you could still do that. It would be. I mean, you'd have it, to play it, almost across the whole yard. Yeah. I'm just. I. What did we? So we. First hole that we ever came up with it. We started at the modified, baseball field. The, the backstop. Did we... Because no, that was right by the parking no, lot. No, no, So, maybe. The first one, we all... So, when we used to play, we did that. Well, we, we used to come from MH's house. Yeah, so, so we always went over yeah. to the bus okay. garage. So, when the bus garage... That's behind true. the bus garage, there was this, there's a, it's still there. It's just like cement. It must have been the septic. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it might have been a septic, yes, probably okay. for clean out for something. Yep. Um, there you go. Someone hit a toilet bowl shot there just around the whole cup. Who is that? Oh, geez. Amateur, three under. He's Wow, and he doubled a hole. Yeah, he's over par. He was lower than that. Ingenstein. Hope that's not a Dallas Cowboys hat. He's in first right now. Andy Ogletree's playing with a tagger. Mm-hmm. And James- I'm rooting for James Surgery because he's from Ireland, but it looks like he's going to miss the cut. Um, so, I think they're only doing top 50 this year. Yeah. Um, Could you imagine being an amateur and finishing in the top 10 and not being able to... Like that check? I know. It's disheartening. <laughs> well, Phil won as an amateur. Last person to do so. I mean, it's a great accomplishment, but... You almost want to just, like, declare your pro, like... The like night the before. final round. Be like, yeah. Saturday night. Honestly, I'm going to take the... I don't really need to play in the USAM anymore. Um, but, no, I remember co- coming across, and there was this, like, I don't know, raised, like, stone slab for a septic tank. Yep. And that's where I always used to go. So I got about a little, like, cheap mat at, like, Dick's Sporting Goods. Mm-hmm. Threw it down just so I wasn't tearing up the grass. I'd bring a grocery bag full of probably 50, 20, 80 golf balls. Mm-hmm. And I would just hit golf balls, typically eight, seven iron. And I would just hit those at the varsity backstop. Mm-hmm. 
again, back in the day, that's probably 150 yards out. Sometimes I'd hit this backstop. It was kind of cool when I started to get good enough to actually reach it because then I would actually try to hit it mm-hmm. from where it was. And then what happened from there, okay, we kept doing that. That, I think, was our first hole was that to the backstop. Yes. And then we ended up going from like, and then pick whatever, whether it was the side of one of the nets, whether it was like actually hitting, you know, some kind of structure on the school grounds. Right. I'm surprised we were allowed to do this, to be honest. I'm surprised yeah. when we kicked us out. I guess it. I guess it's beneficial. I think when people like liked us, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think, I think my dad and MH's dad were both on the school board at the time. So, so I think been, we were just kind of like we're good, right? We can yeah. just go out and swing, and they're like, oh, whatever, just don't hit anything. Um, so I think overall we were, we were we were pretty. That that was, those were good days. Those were fun. Yeah. Um, you remember the day Mr. Norcross came out and hit one and hustled us off his knees? Yes. He hit a driver off his knees. Yes. I still to this day I don't know as much golf as I play now. I don't know if I could do that. He <laughs> he ooh is that a, just to rip that right into the yeah I was gonna say he went left. So uh, yeah so he's a phenomenal golfer oh. for a guy that doesn't play right. Like, he's one of like, hey, go out and play right now. He'll probably shoot something in the 70s. Oh, yeah. And have you seen his bag? I mean, pro- probably like probably Wilson's staff from nineteen early 1990s. Yep. Yeah. He's got like, I'm pretty sure he's got like a driver that he doesn't keep a cover on. He's got a set of irons, maybe a wedge and a putter. Yeah. And he's phenomenal. And he just, he that, makes it work. That's, and, and the, I'd have to golf with him again. It's. It's been a while since I've golfed with him, but he's a really good golfer. And the thing, he made a good point because I remember him talking about he used to play, I think, for Saranac. And he said back in the day, like, in order to go to, like, states, like, you had to be a legit golfer. Like, you, mm-hmm. they were all really good. And then I find that the scores have slowly crept up. Right. So back when we played, I would say to go to, like, the state. I mean, I never, neither of us actually got to do that. I mean, no. it, I think you pretty much had to be a. 70 golfer to go um well i look i look so i don't do you remember scrimmaging with nccs i never did no i don't i don't i don't remember doing it. i remember playing with the guys because we all played at the course but right so had you and i played with them when we were playing oh my, we, we would have won everything oh absolutely because i think honestly we would have been probably like three four or five on the team right yeah because i remember cody o'brien Later and so towards, like, I want to say like junior year. Was he younger than us? Yes. Okay. Um, but he he actually, I think that year we played against him. I ended up we both shot forty because over they play stroke play in CVAC. He actually went and won the section, and I just remember thinking back. Really? Yeah. So I remember he won sectional. He won the sectional tournament at Westport, I believe it was. And I remember thinking back. I'm like. You know, if, if you were you and I could have just competed in that, you know, where what were the possibilities? I mean, we were pretty good for the high school level. I think I think when I I think the summer I graduated high or I think two thousand eight golf season, I think I was a six handicap, mm-hmm. which for not knowing a lot about golf, like playing it, but not really knowing a lot, never having a lesson, self taught. Right. High school, I would say a six handicap was. Pro- I've never gotten that low ever, ever in my life. And you got to think like, how did you do it at eighteen and not? At, well, I mean, now I just don't play as much. But it's the idea like, how could you do it that young and not where you are now? Mm-hmm. And I look at that. I'm like, I kick myself a little bit for giving up golf because I think, 
had it continued that, I think I would have got more. I just would have understood the golf game better. I think right now, had it kept it up, I probably would be somewhere definitely around scratch. Oh, for sure. And that's the thing that's, that kind of bugs me. But then I'm like, you know what? Oh, he's, he's already playing. But that's the thing, like right now, I, I just love about, like I can restart from where I was before and just keep playing and get mm-hmm. better. See, this is my only thing with him. If he starts getting wedges and just can't, like he starts doing that, like he's just wasted an opportunity. Right. 110 in the fairway to an upper tier, like fly that back and spin it. Like I would say for him, that's not a good golf shot. No, I don't think. No. Jesus, see that? God, these guys are good. Yep. Ooh, is he going to go between the bunkers? No. I don't think that was on purpose. Do you see how close he went to that tree? Yeah, he's laughing, man. Yeah. He's a good, I think he's a good dude. He's great. I want to see the scope on this one. Did you see how close that was to that tree? It just, he just went like five <laughs> yeah. feet to the right of it, just looped it around. Tommy Fleetwood. You know, you know what the funny thing is? The, so typically I wake up in the mornings, hang out with crew. So we're playing, we're playing whatever, just hanging out in the living room. And, uh, I've been getting into European tour golf. Mm-hmm. Love it. And Tommy Fleetwood. Yep. I like European tour golf because, uh, for lack of a better, it is what it is. Like, there's no distractions. There's no outside. Like, you put it on at 7 o'clock in the morning and you're watching golf. You know, it's not. Well, and it's also not as hyped up as the PGA Tour. Right. It just feels like a more low. I mean, there's, these guys are professional oh, golfers. Right, yeah. But it's, it's like so low key. And the one thing I find, like, watch this. They do, they show a lot of shots. But, like, European Tour right now, they're still kind of talking. and They're going like this. European Tour golf is getting these, like, right on the guy. Mm-hmm. Guy swings a shot. Where'd it go? Boom. Next to the guy. And the guy's like, oh, you cut. And, like, within two seconds, he's swinging. Mm-hmm. I find that the PGA, it's slower. So you don't see as many. The, the shots per hour that you see on the PGA Tour versus European Tour, it's not even close. Right. Like, you'd be like this, but they would have this cool, like, these guys over on the right would have this angle on him where you could see this nice shot. I hate, I, I really don't like the down the line angle, to be honest. Because you never oh, follow the ball. I, well, I like the, the shot track, but I agree. Like, I, I like I like an angle where I'm seeing the guy on the side, or even the my favorite is the side, but like slightly in front. Mm-hmm. So you kind of give me like a 20 degree, 30 degree angle into the golfer from the front side. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite views to watch. Like from the back, I don't get as much out of it. But yeah, it means, I guess um, it looks better when you're actually like showing it on TV because the flight track, whatever. Tommy, yeah. Tom, or what's his name? Uh, Danny Willett. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize, I had never heard of him when he won because this is when I was kind of getting out of golf. Mm-hmm. He was like number 12 in the world at the time. Yeah. Well, he won the Masters, right? Yeah, when he won it. And I didn't, I never heard of him that week. I'm like, who's Danny Willett? But I guess he was a good golfer. Mm-hmm. If he wins two, because people kind of are like, how's Danny Willett here? You know what I mean? Like, he won it, whatever. But I'm like, if he wins two, then you can't argue with the guy. No, you validate it. And he's like, okay, well, he's... Like, well, think about, like, Bubba. Zach, Zach Johnson. Bubba. Bubba won two, two Masters. Two? Yeah. Zach's got a Masters in a, what, Zach. British Open? At St. Andrews, by right. the way. And I remember they... What did he... He didn't go for any par five and two. At the Masters. Right. Yes, it was 2007. It, was it the Masters? It was Masters. He won at one over. I don't know why I remember that, but he won at one over. The other, the other fun fact. Remember, this is going. This is this is golf. I don't know, folks. This is a golf podcast. <laughs> Half the time, like I was. Uh, who was it the other day? 
Shocked a little bit with Bryce, but Alec came on. Mm-hmm. Adnaha, all golf. Mm-hmm. Like, Jared and Ryan the other day, almost all golf. Like, But do you remember you and I, a bunch of classmates, went to Europe, senior year. Oh, my, yeah. Fun trip. Fun trip. Yep. Looking back at it, I wish we would have done things a little differently, but I will be honest, 95% of it, I had a total blast. So, yep. I remember backing up this whole trip. This was the whirlwind day from my my memory. Was we were supposed to go up to Montreal to fly out, mm-hmm. and I remember our flight for whatever reason. Oh, oh, that's Bryson. Bryson's a good putter, by the way. People just yes. crap on him, but he's a very good putter. Yes. Also, a DraftKings hat. That's that's pretty special. So, I remember going, and we we're. I don't know what day of the week we're supposed to leave. But I remember that we had a flight delay. Mm-hmm. It was weather. So they're like, hey, we can't leave today. We have to leave tomorrow. And it was early in the morning. Well, originally our flight was like middle of the day. Right. And but- we were going to go from Montreal to Toronto, Toronto to Heathrow over yeah. in London. And I was lucky enough at the time, I had been to Europe twice prior with my family, which I love Europe, and I haven't been back since that trip. Mm-hmm. And I remember going, I'm like, this is so cool. I get to go, but I get to go with my friends. This will be a blast. Yep. And um, both times we flew to Europe, we flew down to Newark and then flew out. So it's kind of this, it doesn't matter. You fly to, you know, it seems like you're going back in time, but they jet, whatever. They make up the, the time. Mm-hmm. So I remember going. The flight was canceled. And were you part of the group that went to Beeman's? Oh, yeah. I thought so. Because we didn't go to sleep. Yeah, so it was me. And, and that... Started the whole trip. So I remember there being six guys that went. Yep. So Me, you, Beeman, Baker, Kyle, and Perry. Yep. And I think me, you, Beeman, definitely Baker. Yep. And I want to say Rennie. Perry didn't go. The five of us went to Beeman's. Mm-hmm. I remember playing rock band in the living room. All night. All night. And now the thing was, our wake-up call was... I think we had to be at the school for five. Yeah. Because we were supposed to be at school at five. We were leaving at like 5.30 to go catch this early flight. Mm-hmm. I remember staying up till four. I don't even know that I went to bed. Some of you guys might not have. I remember sitting there playing and I remember sitting in the chair. I remember turning sideways, like in a normal armchair, turning sideways, putting my head up on like one of the things, like curling up. And I think I dozed off for an hour. Yep. And I remember waking up, I'm like, uh, it was pouring down rain, and I remember, I think I had brought the rock band stuff, I was like <laughs> packing the rock band stuff up, I ran back, because I think I woke, oh no, you know what happened, we were supposed to meet there at 5, and I think I got up at 4, maybe I didn't go to bed, I don't know, I think it I might have dozed, yeah. dozed off for like 20 minutes. I remember getting up, running stuff back to my parents' house, dropping it off, getting my stuff, and running back to school to hop on the bus. Then I remember somebody had like a passport issue at the border and that's the mm-hmm. whole thing and i just remember this entire trip was just a whirlwind and i don't remember yep. the airport i don't the only thing i remember about toronto was playing cards with people on the floor mm-hmm. i don't remember anything else yep i remember getting to heathrow early in the morning i kind of remember the flight i don't think i slept on the flight i think i tried to i couldn't yeah. we got we i think flew in at like 6 a.m in London time, mm-hmm. which they were five or six hours ahead of us. Mm-hmm. So we basically didn't go to bed the night before, stayed up all day, flew in, which in our time would have been like two in the morning. Mm-hmm. It was like seven in the morning. 
I remember, and we did a whole day, nonstop through London. Yep. Meanwhile, we hadn't slept in like forty hours. Right. Like at all. Yep. And nothing. This is the guy that looks like my friend. Looks just <laughs> like him. Big little fat pudgy Asian face. I love it. Um. So. So this. So we ended up whatever. So we go there. So all of a sudden we like. I and we had a blast. And we only got to spend one day in London, which was a. I wish I, I want to go back. London was cool. Yep. But I remember you and I were rooming together. I remember we got back to the hotel room, and it was Master Sunday. And I remember, I remember thinking you might you were probably smarter than I was on this. I'm like, we missed it. We missed the Masters. I'm like, I who owned who won? I re, and again, this was kind of before cell phones, so we didn't have cell phones or anything. So, right. I remember getting back to the hotel room, turning on the TV. And all of a sudden, like, welcome to the Masters. And, like, they were going on to the back nine. And I'm like, tape delay? And I'm like, no, idiot. Like, to myself, I'm like, yeah, yep. we're five, six hours ahead. Yep. We haven't even missed. They're just teeing off. Yep. And I remember you and I were so tired, we shut the TV off. Sunday at the Masters, on the back nine, and we shut the TV off and went to bed. And Trevor Emmelman won that year. Yep. And I just remember, it was the. I'm like, we have to be so exhausted to shut the Masters off right. on Sunday. As they're going on to the back nine. Yeah. And I was so tired. It was a great trip. Oh, what was your yeah. favorite thing about that trip? Favorite thing? All right. So the whole time we were there, do you remember everybody, all, all we could think about was pizza for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, we got pizza and... What, do you want another one? You can talk. It's okay. No. Um, you can, can, we, can we pause for a minute? How yeah. does that work? Yeah. No, I, I just I just ramble through. Oh, you're yeah. fine. I'll just talk about yeah. whatever. Yeah. Go. No bathroom. Where is the bathroom? Go through to on the left on your way back. Can you grab me another one of these? That'd be great. Where? Go straight through. All the way out. Take a left. So, filling in. This this is live, folks. I don't cut anything. The recent so. This is episode 104, and some of these we we've done plenty of these. You know, sometimes I have some like guests on we have some very in-depth conversations i think of like maybe like andy wiley was a good one i think of uh mike cashman i think you know we have some people that come on we have some some good thought you know bill mccolgan some good conversation then i bring guys on like high school buddies lifelong friends steve-o bring on you know alec adnaha you know jared burns and we talk about nothing we have fun mike henry we just have fun that's what today is so again we just kind of roll with it but We'll, we'll, we'll get the, the editing, I guess. We'll go back to the editing. 104 episodes. I've edited, the, I've edited the podcast, meaning had to strip something out of what we've said one time in 104 episodes. And I probably could have kept it in. Um, I kind of took it out more for the person's benefit than my benefit. I could care less if it was really in the, the telecast. But only one person had to have anything edited out. And... It was a very small thing. I just had to kind of blur it a little bit to make it sound like it wasn't like cut. And I think I did a decent job. But we don't edit anything. So when people go to the bathroom, whatever, we just roll the punches. Actually, shout out Matt Craig. So this is a fun fact. So I was the first first guest, maybe second guest on Matt Craig's podcast. And Craig Cast, rest in peace. Um, he'll bring him back one day, I think. I think he'll get resurrected. So we're listening to it. And we're on it doing the thing. Matt Craig tells me before we start, he goes, listen, if I do this hand signal, which is kind of like, he takes two fingers and kind of like loops them around each other, almost like twiddling his thumbs, but with his fingers, 
that means just keep talking. I'm going to run to the bathroom. We talked for maybe two and a half hours. Matt ran to the bathroom three times. I'm pretty good. The amount of times I actually go to the bathroom during a podcast, very rare. Um, the 100th episode, I think I did, but we were talking about three hours. Um, I had a little bit of drink going on. Uh, that one was warranted. But realistically, most of the time I don't. I'm good. Bladder can hold. But uh, Matt Craig did that three times. So that was one where he uh, he's notorious if he's on the show. He's on. Thank you, Sigal. He's on the show. There's a Abraham An- answer from Mexico's in first. What a world! This is great. Tiger Woods sees off in what? Ooh, like two minutes. Um, so Matt Craig is notorious for having to like run to the bathroom midway through a podcast every time. He's never <laughs> been on the podcast where he hasn't run to the bathroom. <laughs> I was just saying how we've never actually we've edited one one podcast. One podcast in 104 episodes. And I just opened another Juice Bomb Sloop Brewery shout out. If you want to sponsor the podcast, please do. Every time you open these things, they explode though. So no matter what. So I always had to wipe it in. But um, okay, so back to the trip. What was your favorite yep. part of the trip? Yeah, okay. So do you remember, well, very small instance. Do you remember somebody talked to the guy that was leading us around? They said, uh, you know, let's go ask our travel guide. And he flipped out on us, and he goes, I'm not a tour guide, I'm a tour director. Yes, what would, say, okay, tell me that story again, because yes, I do remember that. What was, the, what was the background on that? Just somebody, I don't remember exactly what happened, but somebody's like, oh, well, we'll just go, we'll ask our tour guide. You know, the guy's leading us around Europe, he's our tour guide. And then somebody went up, and they're like, oh, hey, Mr. Tour Guide, or whatever, and I don't exactly know how it came about, but, he, and he, like, got really upset, he's like, I'm not a tour guide. I'm a tour director. <laughs> Where was that though? What country? That had to be France. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love. I, I actually really enjoyed um, France, Paris. Yep. I do remember that. Who the heck was that tour guide, tour director? Yep. Um. So this is the thing. Like my wife does massage therapy. So somebody says masseuse. Like, no, you can't say masseuse. They're technically called licensed um, massage therapists. Mm-hmm. Or massage therapist. Masseuse is like the dirty term. The ones that you go up and see in maybe Montreal. And uh, so it kind of is fun. Like sometimes she'll correct people. Sometimes she won't. Depends on the person. Like somebody's like joking with her. She'll like correct them. If somebody's just like an old person. Like I don't know. I got to go see my masseuse. Like they don't know the difference. And mm-hmm. I hear it so many times. But now knowing. And I would have said the same thing. Now knowing her. I'm like certain term. Tour guide. The tour director. I'm like dude. I don't know. Just talk man. You're right. just like I'm here. I want to listen to you. Just do your thing. That I do remember that. That wow. Yeah. The uh, the other thing I remember on that podcast, I'm oh, sorry, on that trip is uh, let me see, Europe. I just, or at um, London. I just remember it rained. I remember they were doing the London Marathon that day. Yep. I remember, which was pretty wild to think of, and I remember that made like ES or not ESPN Sports Illustrated. Like I don't think it was a cover, but. A guy had an article on it. I was like, oh my God, we were there that day, which is crazy to think about. Right. I remember getting fish and chips somewhere, like like fried haddock and uh, french fries, which is really good. Yep. Um, where did we go? I, we must have been in Italy. We got gyros. No, that was France. France? I do remember that. Yep. We got gyros. Out of like this hole in the wall. It was like the little... Latin quarters, they called it. Yeah. And it was, I, you know what's funny? I've actually tried to look up where the, like that Latin quarter was of Paris. Because what I remember on that trip, so 
This was a European trip we took in high school. We were we were seniors at the time. Spring break, senior year. Yeah, so we were almost ready to graduate. Yep. And there was probably in the trip thirty to forty people. There was a decent amount of people. Yeah, we we filled a a tour bus, didn't we? Yeah, between we, chaperones and kids and everything. Yeah, between chaperones and kids. I think we probably had like eight or nine seniors from the trip go, which was fun. I mean, honestly, it was fun going with a lot of the people that went and both like in the class, a couple younger classmen, but there, we had a lot of fun. And I just remember. Um, like going so going over, which was fun. But I remember, um, like you said, that the fish and chips, the uh, the gyros, things like that. And there's times I think of like, where were we on that trip? Because the Latin quarters of London was kind of a London was a blur. We yeah. just kind of ran through it. Well, we we were only there for a day, and we were half asleep. So yeah, and in Paris though, I remember like, hey, we went to the Eiffel Tower. Okay, yep. that's fine. We went to uh, Versailles. Fine, like that was easy, like kind of easy to find on a map. But then I'm like, right. I remember going to like the Latin quarters. I remember going to like the Opera House. Mm-hmm. I remember eating down by the Opera House, and we, and I think the most fun times because part of it is like on a guided tour, it's good because you get to see a lot of stuff. Like mm-hmm. that's like kind of gives you a lot of things. But some of my favorite times is just like, hey, listen, you have two hours to kill. Yep, and you just walked around and just talked to random people. Yep, and I remember. I don't know how they let us do this. We were in, I think it was called the Latin Quarters. It was at night. And I remember going, we got gyros. Mm-hmm. And it was evening. And I'm like, they're letting us alone in Paris. We're, I mean, we're 18 at the time. But we're kids from Chazy, like no chaperones because it was just the guys who were walking around. Right. And we're wandering around Paris. I remember getting, in the gyros we got were like dessert gyros, I think. I remember being like peanut butter, not peanut butter, banana and chocolate and everything else. Right. But I remember there being like a Greek wedding. Yep. And there were smashing, smashing plates. Pl- yeah. Smashing plates. I'm like, yep. where are we right now? This is incredible. Yep. And then I still don't to this day. I, I'm going to look at like, do we have anything on or figuring out where the heck the Latin quarters of France are? Because hmm. I think it was called the Latin Paris Latin quarters. The thing is with Paris, I've looked this up before. It is, there's different districts of Paris. And I don't know. Paris Latin Quarter. There we go. Where is this on a map? Museum Natural something. And the thing is, I wish I was really taking like a journal or notes back then. Yeah. My mom did. She took some notes because she went, but I haven't read it since. And the thing is, like, I really wish I would have detailed where we went mm-hmm. because I have no clue. Or almost like we had a, like a like a, a like a trackman kind of thing. They tracked mm-hmm. like a GPS. Like, where were we? in? Um, or even the itinerary that we had. Yeah. And... and Okay, so wait, where did I, where are we going? Go back here. Latin quarters. So Paris. Where did we... You remember buying those soccer pants? Yes, I do. I still have them. Uh, I have my... They definitely don't fit, but I have them. <laughs> I, my, they're not my parents. I, I, I'm I 90% sure I still have them. Yep. Those were great because I wore them almost the entire trip. We, yeah, we wore them. Because they were like three-quarter. They went just below your knees, and yeah. they looked honestly like we... They're like... Probably should have been worn them. Soccer capris. Yeah, yeah. Which were, and for soccer, they were perfect. Yeah. But they were very European. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. And then I remember coming back, I was like, kind of didn't fly in the States, but in uh, Europe, it was awesome. And then we played futsal in the courtyard of, where were we? Because I remember Baker brought that little, like the size we, we one played, soccer ball. We played a lot of soccer. Yeah. We juggled a lot. Yeah. Was it in Paris we did that? No, I don't, I don't think it was in Paris, but do you remember we were just, it was look, just like. Look a, how far Bryson drove it in one or two. Jesus. He just launched it over the corner. Um, what, what was it called? Uh, 
Like, were you playing? Worth? I just remember being in the courtyard of like some historic. Yeah, we were by like uh, by like Big Ben. In London. Well, I re- that, I re- that's where Big Ben is, so it must. Have I been. remember juggling in front of the uh, Notre Dame. Maybe that's what I'm thinking about. The the church. Because they had that big quad, not quad, but it was like kind of like a courtyard in right. front. And they all... had like little vendors set up yeah. on the outside. Okay, yes. yep, so that's where we were. So I think, and I just remember kind of juggling there. See, that shot would have been phenomenal yesterday. You see where the hole was yesterday? Mm-hmm. About five feet away from that? Mm-hmm. Well, what, do you, what do you, not to get off topic, but what do you think about the the all same length golf clubs? I don't know enough about it. My, my only thing... I mean, he's gaining distance based on the loft of the club, not necessarily the shaft length. So it's, right. in theory, he's generating the same club head speed with all these clubs. Correct. And so everything's the length of a 7-iron, I believe. Which... Everything's you, the length of a... Okay. So if you give me a... I mean, give me a 4-iron, the length of a 7-iron, I'm going to be in heaven. I'll control it all day. But think about like a pitching wedge that length. Well, that's, that's the thing they talk about. It's the, the shorter clubs that are the same length. Is it easier for him to swing it? I mean, but that's why you see he's got a very one-plane swing. Oh, oh, yeah. He's straight back, straight through. So he's so you don't see him break his... I mean, he breaks his wrist, but he almost goes back. Not, and then just yeah. brings his whole... Because yeah. he he, when he goes back, he has a slight wrist bend, but he carries it through impact, which is basically just de-lofts it slightly. Mm-hmm. So it's... It's a crazy swing. I mean, he's kind of gone through. And, but now, granted, he hits the ball a mile, so he's obviously doing something right. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It may, maybe his swing all of a sudden a lot of mobile. When's this guy have a mobile hat on? Shout you out. See, mo- guys, guys have MLB hats on. I saw like sponsored by the MLB. Billy Andre had one last week in the championship. I don't know why I'm watching a lot of golf right now. Yes, did you uh, see it? You know yeah, what I'm talking yeah, about, right? He was mic'd up. Yeah, him and yeah. Uh, Tim Heron, who looked like he was about to pass out. <laughs> Tim Heron's a big man. The uh, all right, back to Europe. Um, ooh, I'm just reading. You know when you go on and you Google something on Google and you just keep scrolling down and all these different questions come up. Mm-hmm. The do you remember? That's actually kind of a cool thing. What was that? Do you remember um, our tour director? He's not a guide. <laughs> told us that we. I don't know at what point of the trip he said no more pizza until you get to this town in italy and at the like i don't know if you were like one of the biggest things i remember one time we had pizza in italy and i will tell you my experience of that go ahead so the same one um like i i just i remember like we eat like they did you know we're not big unhealthy americans over there we're you know living their lifestyle so you had a croissant at breakfast you had a bowl of soup at lunch and you got whatever at dinner so I think all of us were starving by the time we got to Italy. And fi- like everybody got their own pizza. We think it's going to come out. It's going to be like a six-inch pizza. And, You're thinking the same one as me. And yeah. Yeah. So, so we're sitting there, and the pizzas just start coming out. We're like, is this real? Like These things are American size. <laughs> and I think we all devoured an entire pizza, probably like a, the equivalent of like a medium pizza here. And we just all went to town, and it was amazing. So... Yes. Yeah, so the, the thing I remember about, and you actually, it was in a um, Pompeii. Pompeii, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Pompeii is where they had uh, Mount Vesuvius. Was the um, the volcano? I actually, 
before we get to the pizza, there's two things. So the Latin Quarters, sorry, to go back out. Latin Quarters is right next to um, Notre Dame, which I just don't remember it at all because it was it was that night. It was just a weird time. Well, I remember walking around and we got those gyros and we were... But it was late at night, so I'm like, I don't know why we were... I remember there being a trucks... Um, I remember that trucks, a bu- uh, subway stop. But- Do you remember the very first night we were in London? We all sat in the lobby of the hotel and ordered pizza, and we got in trouble. We no, were- I didn't. Pizza I went- Hut. Wait, did I? I might have. I don't remember. Like we we asked the front desk, we're like, "Hey, can we get a couple pizzas from Pizza Hut?" We see there's so I don't know if somebody had a computer. I don't know how we found this place, but there was like a Pizza Hut two miles down the road. So we got it delivered, and Mrs. Brandell came down. She's like, "You guys ordered pizza." <laughs> She's like, you're supposed to be in your rooms, getting ready to go to bed. <laughs> so, so, eh, small details. So, um, where, where were we going before then? We were talking about pizza in Pompeii. So, okay, so pizza in Pompeii. So, basically, what happened? Pizza in Pompeii. I remember, as I remember sitting at a table, and they bring out for the for the story. There's say there's six people per table. Yep. They bring out three pizzas. The- Originally, they bring right. out three pizzas. Yep. So they put it down, and there's six of us. I'm like, oh, it's about right, you know, based on what we've ate to this point. Probably, you know, cut it in half. It's not huge, but I would say they're, I would, 10 inches, 10, 12 inches. I'd say, I was going to say probably like a normal, I'd say what, like an equivalent of like a medium. Yeah, like a medium. In the US medium. Yeah. So, yeah, 12 inches, yeah, 14, something like yeah. that. So, looking at it, I'm like, okay, well, there's four of us. And of course, this is me, because I think I was just like, you, I'm starving. I'm like, well, there's four of us, and I have three girls at the table and three guys, so really, you might be able to have s- some more of what the girls won't eat. And then, I'm sitting there, so I'm like, trying to figure out in my head, how can you get a little bit more pizza? Typical 18-year-old dude. <laughs> then, all of a sudden, they come out and put three more on the table. And I go, do we each get a pizza? Like, I remember sitting there, so I'm like, oh, wait, 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 we each get a pizza. And so, they're sitting there dropping that off. So basically, we got this pizza, which to this day, to this day, this is 12 years later, that was the best pizza I've ever had in my life. It's not even close. And I just remember it was a nice thin crust, Mm -hmm. a lot more sauce than cheese, Mm -hmm. light on the cheese, and it had a little bit like basil topping. And it wasn't like shredded mozzarella on top. It was like like real... Italian cheese, like sliced cheese. It was amazing. It yeah, was it was great. like pro, it was like thin provolone slices right. they laid on it. Something you would put on a sandwich. Yeah. Equal to, to and I just remember they had basil leaves on top, like big, <sighs> like not little, like diced up, but like full basil leaves. And I remember eating this thing, and I'm like, "This is the greatest pizza." And I was sad when I couldn't eat anymore. I ate my pizza, and I think I might have had one piece of someone else's. Yeah. I'm like, I just, I wish I could have more, and uh, it just didn't happen. And I was, yeah. uh, but that was. To this day, the greatest pizza I ever had. And a side note on that, I also, to this day, probably still at my parents' house somewhere. So you know like when you go and you like buy souvenirs from the trip and stuff? Mm-hmm. There's two things I took from Paris. From not Paris, but the trip. Um, and I was like, this is going to be the coolest memento that I get. Mm-hmm. Number The first thing was I grabbed a rock from the Coliseum. Okay. Which I don't know if you're supposed to do that, but... There was like, you're sitting there, it was kind of like off, it was like in a restricted area. It was kind of like on the step, it was like this old rock sitting there. So I just like grabbed it. <laughs> like, I don't know what this thing was. This could have literally been kicked by someone in the 
1400s or whatever they had right. whenever they had it so i had that rock and i took a i took a pumice rock from um uh um, from Pompeii, from Mount Vesuvius, which is yeah. from the from the actual volcano. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this thing is like a thousand years old. So I took it. So I still to this day have those two things, and those are like, I I bought a few things on the trip. I bought the pants. I bought a leather wallet from Italy, which yep. I still have. Um, I don't use it anymore, but I still have it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I bought for myself as a souvenir. And I remember. The rocks I both grabbed, which I thought was even cooler. My one, I was like an eighteen-year-old. Like, I don't even have to pay for this. They're rocks, right? But I was like, this is the coolest. Like, it's almost like grabbing sand from a beach. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting the rocks, and I just thought it was like the coolest thing. Uh, the other thing that I remember nerding out on is I. This was back when I was hardcore into Rubik's cube, and I remember bringing the Rubik's cube with me. Mm-hmm. I think I solved it five hundred thousand times that trip. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was that. It might have been that one. To be honest, the one that's up there. Maybe it was an older one. I might have another one. But I remember like learning how to do it like the year prior, and I just I remember just I would just yeah. sit on the bus and do your cube the whole time. Yep. Because like you'd only bring so much stuff with you, so you had like like I didn't want to bring a book, I didn't want to bring like yeah. We brought we played a lot of cards. I remember playing decks like we just yep. played different card games. Well, it was tough because we had to carry everything that we brought with us everywhere we went. Yeah, so you were just hoofing on the backpack. Yeah. Yep. Which I'll be honest, I'm I'm a minimalist kind of traveler. If I can if I can go with very little amount of stuff with me, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things like I look, the good thing is this office. I can kind of keep it the way I want it because it's the only thing that's not touched by other people or mm-hmm. or kids or anything like that. Like I can kind of I gotta clean up a little bit, but I really I've organized it down so it's not super packed. And there's some other stuff I want to do, so that's not as you know. It's a little more like I, I don't mind the knickknacks behind there because it's kind of cool, but I don't need all the just storage. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like things are clean. This weekend, I'm trying to do it the past two weeks because I haven't been able to. But this weekend, I want to go through all my clothes and just purge my clothes. Yep. Like, I don't know why I have 70 t-shirts. Yep. And I don't know why because everybody, if you're like me, you wear the same 10 t-shirts over and over again. Yeah. So it's actually, it's funny that you brought that up because um, my mother and sister just moved to South Carolina. Really? Charleston area. I know Abby was going down for like, was it school or work? No, she graduated the radiology program here. At, so she got a job down there. So she got a, yeah, in, yeah. yeah. So she got a job down there and my mom went with her. Um, so I actually moved back to Z to be with my dog. So, so you inherited the house by the old library. Right. Yep. So that's where you are now. Yep. Okay. Um, so anyway, talking about clothes, uh, Kirsten and I put everything in totes and everything so I could bring it. And I'm going through these totes and my. I got dress shirts from 10 years ago that I'm never going to wear, but I don't want to get rid of them. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah. I'm, I'm the just in case guy. <laughs> like, a, like I, I just I remember taking it out. I got a gray dress shirt that is well beyond its years. Mm-hmm. The, the collar's getting frayed. The, and stained and everything. Yeah. The, the, the collar stays don't fit anymore. It's just like, just throw it out or use it for a rag or something. And I'm like, oh, I'll put that in the closet. So you kept it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is the thing. I go through the amount of sweaters, the amount of... Uh, my other issue, too, is I've got like 20 socks, all different colors. Yeah. I, wear, I wear like funky socks most days, at least for dress dress clothes. Um, but then I go through, I'm like, how many white t-shirts do I need for undershirts? And I got rid of a bunch. I probably mm-hmm. still have like eight, nine. I wear my attire majority of the year probably 300 and 
50 days of the year is what you're seeing. It's like a plain mm-hmm. V-neck or crew neck t-shirt and jeans. And that's what I wear to work every day. Cause I'm like, I don't really, nobody really complains what I look like and I'm not really going to play what I look like. So whatever, we're just going to roll with it. So mm-hmm. the, uh, with, uh, sorry, Bryson's here, 340, 50 yard par three. And he is getting into it right now. What are the chances? Over- he no, he's right at the flag. He no, he's overcutting. I was going to say, it looked overcutting, and then it looked like he's been going less a lot. Yeah, but he's, what, pin high? Yeah. 350, par four, your, your flag pin high. Pin high, and how much green? Do- oh, God, he's, he's fine. Got, yeah. He's fine. He just birdied number two, so he's three under. The leader's, what, eight? He'll, he'll be right around the lead today by the time he's done. Yeah. Is my guess. This Fratelli, with the, he's Mr. Uh, uh, what's it called? Um, he's got the glasses on here. Rex Specs. Playing good golf though. He's, where's his ball go? Whatever. Um, wait. So we're sorry. So we got we got sidetracked by the golf. Golf's been on the whole time, by the way, guys. So that's yeah. we're sidetracked. Is what we're doing. What 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 was the thing we just talked about? We were talking about. Keeping clothing that oh, clothing. is not yes, yes. necessary. So white t-shirts, why do I have them? These t-shirts, I got a bunch. Then I get down to the, the t-shirts have logos on them, whether it's whatever it could be. It could yeah. be like an old sports shirt. Like then yeah. you got, Well, I shouldn't even say that. We're not even going to go with that yet. So then I have just the random shirts and clothes that I had. This is the angle I like right here. Mm-hmm. Then we have the shirts and um, clothes that we have that I have no clue. I love Lee Westwood. I met Lee Westwood in 2003, Oak Hill Country Club, stayed in our hotel, like, I, I want to say, uh, like, like, just a great guy. Is he the one? I remember you telling me a story. This is years ago, uh, from probably that tournament. Was it? I don't know if it was him or not. Somebody wanted a paper or something. So I know, yeah, I know where you're going. So they, he, somebody wanted a paper, but they couldn't charge it to their room, and they didn't have a wallet or cash with them. It was uh, Mike Weir. Mike Weir, okay. And what was cool about that was... Like, you or your dad offered to pay for it, right? I was with my dad, and my dad... So, so me and my dad were... Okay, so 2003, the PGA tournament at the time was at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester. Me and my dad, one of the greatest memories I have as a kid is going with my dad, Mike, um, Mr. Henry at the time. I still can't call him Mark, but Mr. Henry. Yeah. Um, we went to... Uh, a lot of golf tournaments, major golf tournaments, and it was really cool. So I saw, I've seen most of these guys play. Well, the the, the old, I guess the older guys play live, mm-hmm. and like Paul Casey, I've seen him plenty of times live. So like it was cool seeing these guys in real life and how good they are. It's incredible. So we ended up getting this hotel, and it was in Rochester. And like anything else, we showed up. I'm like, oh, this is a pretty nice hotel. Nothing like blow you out of the water, but it was it was a above average hotel. We're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is cool. At least we got a good spot. For the week, we're going to be here probably five nights and a little, you know, home away from home. So we show up and not thinking much of it. And all of a sudden we see a couple cars with the logo on it. They're all Cadillac Escalades. Yeah. And they're all sitting around the parking lot. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. So there's people from the tournament that are staying here. Now, in my head, I'm thinking, I was 13. We're all thinking, my dad's, our dads were too. We're like, this is probably the... Just the the behind the scenes people, yeah, TV crew or whatever. The TV crew, the tournament, the US, the the PGA guys that right. I don't know from anybody, and uh, I don't know how long it was until we realized it was the pros. I want to say we saw somebody walk in with a bag. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who it was. I remember like 
wait, the pros are staying here. And you tell that to a couple of like 12, 13-year-olds that love golf, game on. Oh, yeah. So we bought this flag. I still have it to this day. And the coolest thing was, so we, we sat there and we basically tried to like, we just like chilled in the lobby almost the entire time we were there as pros were coming in and out and just like ran up to them in the lobby and got their autograph. Mm-hmm. And a couple, three, four, f- five stories come to mind when I think about this. Because there's some guys I, I kind of remember but don't. The first story, <laughs> this is funny. I remember going and we were swimming in the pool. Coach 12, 13, yep. me and MH, like we're going to go down the pool. So we show up. So this guy comes in, hops in the pool. Now, again, I'm, I'm like 12, 13 years old. You know, we're kind of, we're trying to, we're, we're now to the point where we're appreciating women at this point. So this guy walks into the pool and his girlfriend or wife or whatever walks in the pool. And she's just, she's a very pretty lady. <laughs> Obviously much older than us, but we were 13. She's probably at the time, honestly, probably in her mid 20s. Mm-hmm. Back then she could have been. We don't want to know. She just seemed old. Very pretty lady. So, of course, I'm sitting there. I'm like, my God, like this is a pretty girl. <laughs> so, not, you know, I'm playing it cool. Playing it cool. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sly, like, 12, 13-year-old boy. You know, I'm like, so I'm playing it cool. And we're, pl- we're kind of hanging in the pool, just kind of doing whatever. They're kind of hanging out. And then, for some reason, we started talking. Now, I'm not saying, like, I've been just saying, like, I don't know what we were doing. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, we might have had, like, a splash football we were throwing. Who cares? We were kids. And, uh. I remember them saying something to us. And he goes, yeah, I'm playing in the golf tournament. So, like, our ears perked up. Like, you're playing in the golf tournament. And he was a PGA, so PGA Tour, a championship. He was a PGA professional. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't, like, a PGA Tour member, but he was a PGA professional. He played his way in. So, obviously, a phenomenal golfer. Right. And it was his wife and or girlfriend or whatever. And we were talking to them, and they were super nice. And I, I wish I, to this day, I, st- I remember his name, but I don't. And, uh... I remember them saying like, hey, like, and they were just telling us this stuff. It was kind of, he couldn't have been that old. If he was telling 13, 14 year olds, he had to be like early 20s. So maybe this, yeah. maybe him and the girl were like early 20s. And uh, I remember him saying, hey, come check out the cars. Now as a 12, 13 year old boy, this is back in 2003, seeing a Cadillac Escalade for the first time, because those weren't really super popular back then. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, I come out. So they were going to dinner. So I remember being in the lobby and they came walking out and like, hey guys, come look at the car. So he brought the car around and he let us like, he opened the door and let, like, let us go in the car. So it's like the, the cars that they were like giving out to the players. And uh, I remember it, they were super nice and they like, and uh, that was the first story. Number two, I remember running into Mark Kalkovecchia. Mm-hmm. And I think we just talked to him about Tiger Woods. And of course back then they're like, <laughs> dude, like whatever. Cause like, of course you're like kids, like, ah, oh, dude, Tiger. And he's like, yeah, man, like Tiger, whatever. So then, um, so whatever, we're not thinking much of it. So then I remember seeing um, Ian Poulter back in the day when Ian Poulter probably just became a pro. Ian Poulter offered to give us free tickets to the event. So hey, you guys got tickets this week? And we're like, yeah, we do. He goes, oh, okay, no, no, totally fine. He goes, I just had a bunch I was going to give you guys. So I was like, what the hell? Like, whatever. So that was cool. And I remember going into the bar. Do you remember the name Duffy Waldorf? I remember the name, yeah. So he was a golfer. Yep. And I would say he's probably the equivalent of like an old time, like not athletic, not nice as athletic, not very healthy, just kind of doing his thing, obviously has the skill level, worked mm-hmm. hard, he played, but he kinda, yeah. he's not like, he's not tagger. he's not going to the gym. Right. We walk in, he's drinking beer and eating wings like <laughs> on Thursday or Wednesday night before the tournament, like whatever, he's just hanging out. Mm-hmm. So we like, 
our dads were like at the bar talking to him and me and Mike were like off on the side and just kind of like basically shooting the shit with Duffy Waldorf and this is great. But the Mike and Patrick Carrington was there and of course my you know my grandfather being from Ireland like I just love Duffy or uh, uh, Patty so got a picture and autograph with him. But I remember going up and we were sitting there at the like you said at the desk, like the front desk with the, the, the whatever the people there that are working at the front desk we check in. So we and my dad were there and all of a sudden we're, my dad's just asking him something. I forgot what he was asking him, whatever. And I'm just sitting next to him. All of a sudden this guy comes down. And basically comes up to the front desk. It was Mike Weir. Now, Mike Weir, this is... He won the Masters in April. We're in August. Mm-hmm. So, it was 2003. So, he's, he's big time still. Big time. Like, major... Like, the literally the reigning master... The person... The tournament we're watching won this tournament. was standing media away. Mm-hmm. And I remember him asking for the paper. So, they gave him the paper. Again, 2003, folks. So, we, before cell phones. Asked for the paper. And the lady behind it... He goes, can I charge this to my room? And the lady goes unfortunately no sir we can't charge it to your room because of whatever and of course they don't know who this guy is so my dad turns to him and goes hey hey mike you want me to just oh, it's fine i'll just grab it like, you're talking a dollar for a paper right it's like hey, i'll grab it and mike goes no i appreciate it, guys and went up to his room got a dollar came back paid the lady and took his paper and uh but it was it was and it wasn't like my like my dad, I think, would have done it for anybody. They were like, hey, can I get the paper? And like, we had to charge it. And my dad's like, here, what is it? A dollar here? Just take the paper. Like, yeah. I think anybody would have done that. But, of course, Mike Weir's like, no, man, no, no, I got it. Because I think he felt that my dad was just doing it because of who he was. But it was like, I, he would have done it, I think, for anybody. Right. But Mike was nice, signed everything, was super nice. Small mm-hmm. dude. He's like, probably my size, your size. Like, yeah. He's, he's not very tall, maybe 5'7". Yep. And uh, what, what happened with Bryson? He didn't lose a ball, did he? Uh, he did. Yeah. How did he lose a ball out left? Oh, this is all going to be on the news now. Bryson getting driven back in the cart yep. to rip another driver. What is... What is? Did he really lose it? I don't know if it's in a tree. There's no... I thought it landed, though. I thought we saw a bounce. I thought they were looking for his ball, to be honest. Not his. My bad. Wrong hole. Let's go, DJ. So, to put in perspective how good these guys are compared to the everyday golfer. <clears throat> so, every year there's a group of us. We go up to Tupper Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, we play a 36-hole championship up there. and It's flighted and everything. And they have a pro flight. So, there's a guy that went this year. He's actually he's been there several years. Uh, his name is Scott Berliner. He plays in it. He, he, yeah, he played in the, the pro division. He blew the field away. Okay. Um, I don't remember the exact... Wait, so you play in what division? Just the amateur, op- the the top, the the zero to five open... So there's an even higher level. So there's a pro flight. Wow, so okay. club club pros, you know, touring pro, whoever wants to go, anybody that's a prof- declared a professional can play. So you, like, the best golfers that you know wouldn't play in that? No. Okay. Um, I didn't know that. Okay. Only be... Well, first of all, we can't compete. Second of all, once you declare pro, you... Forfeit your oh, so this, these are actual pros. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know if this was like really good guys. This no, is actual no, no, pros. No, no, it's okay. real pros. Um, so then there's top amateur. There's a so it's usually zero to five, zero to six, say seven to twelve, and then there's twelve and up or thirteen and up. So there's a whole bunch of there's four flights that go. Um, Scott Berliner has status on the Corn Ferry Tour, which is their minor league. Yeah, it's one one level below this, the PGA Tour. And he's actually, he qualified. He's played in the U.S. Open several times. 
He okay. hasn't done anything, but he, he qualified and played. So he shot around Tupper Lake. Now, Tupper Lake's not long, but Wait. it's... Sorry. He just hit that, right? How is he going back to hit another shot? The ball was setting up. I'm so confused. Sorry, keep going. No, I... Do you see what I'm saying? Did you see the ball sitting there? Yeah. Brooks, five under. Is there out-of-bounds stakes? Did he hit it out-of-bounds? It was in front of the scoreboard. I would think not. I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to watch it later. Okay, yeah. so keep going. But anyway, so, th- so this guy, Scott Berliner, he's from... I think he's a pro out of, like, southern New York somewhere. Uh, comes up, shoots like... Yeah, he shot 63 the first day, Saturday. And then he came back with like 68. Blew the field away, like not even close, like 10 shots. Yeah, he set the tournament scoring record. And so you look at this guy. He won the long drive competition the night before. He hits like... he just What's hit, his name, Scott what? Berliner, B-E-R-L-I-N-E-R. Like, this guy is just unreal at golf, and he can't cut it at the... Corn Ferry Tour. And that's not even the PGA Tour. Wait, B-E-R? B-E-R-L-I-N-E-R. Assistant golf coach at Skidmore. Okay. Is that him? Could be. Like, I got to see a bigger guy. Scott Berliner cruises to 10th straight N-E-N-Y PGH stroke plate victory. Yep. But just what, like... So even in, like, the long drive, you could tell, like, he was going controlled three-quarter swings of the driver and he was pumping them out there like 320 330 and then once he realized he had something in play he swung it and i'm pretty sure he got the ball out there like 380 390 really it just it's a different world he's assistant pro at saratoga spa mm-hmm. yep i want to see Um, he might be originally from the Tupper Lake area. That might be why he comes back and plays. I don't know if they, s- but they they still like it's a couple thousand dollars cash for the winner and the pro flight. Scott Berliner chips this guy. Yep. So Google, Google him. Say Scott Berliner, uh, U.S. Open, I believe. Let me see if I can find it. Scott Berliner chips onto the green during the final round of the Northeastern PGA. Stroke play championship on, okay, whatever, in Niskayuna. Is in pursuit of his 10th straight player of the year title. Wow. So he plays every year and. Yeah, I'm pretty sure every year he goes to Tupper Lake. Wow. Shoot, I can't find it. Won two grand, sixty nine, sixty eight. Now, obviously, from the tips on like a fairly hard course. He uh, he competed in the he placed oh. top five, I think, at Bethpage for the for the New York the New York Open. So Edison, some guy played from Edison. I played that. I played that golf course. Um, Edison is it Edison Country Club. Yeah, down in uh, private, Park. right? Yep. What about one of our? our Realtor Friends is a member there. Actually, I don't know if you can see that photo. There's a photo right there next to our mug. On the left, there's four of us standing there. The guy third from the next to my dad, my dad's on the right. Just to the left of him, that's a, uh, his tournament each year we go down in September. It was canceled this year, but we've played every year. Really nice golf course. And then there's also a guy from uh, Whiteface. 
Art Griffin? Ian Breen. No, so Art Griffin, Catskill. I remember playing Catskill in the the uh, Elks Club tournament. You and I went down, right? Not that one. We went to Oswego. Oswego, yep. And we oh. ended up finishing first and second. And I remember this vividly, not, not because we finished first and second. There's a picture of a young girl that was in the, <laughs> I know pre- going with the this. Press Republican. <laughs> and they were lighting her up. And she just said, basically, she just went and competed. I don't even know she won. And then in the background of the picture, you see your name and my name, first, second of the, what is it, 17, 18 year old? The boys. oldest flight, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, we went down there and. We got first and second, right? Yeah, you, you won. Because I remember, you, I, think, I think you I, shot 79. I think I beat you by one. Yeah. You shot 79, I think I shot 80. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Because we, I, I remember, so I remember that tournament going down um, in the old Red Rocket. I remember driving the old G6. Yep. And we took off. This was right before college. Yeah, because this was, I think we played on a Sunday, and I was going to North Country on Monday. I think so. Yep. And the thing was, so I played, back in the day, the Elks Golf Club, the golf tournament. I would say for us was like the Masters of the Year. Well, yeah. it's Because the only thing that, as a junior, you could really play for. Right. So this tournament, you had to qualify to get to the state tournament. Correct. So we both qualified. Went down to the state tournament, and we had some pretty good success down there. Well, so I think I played every year from 13. 13, 14, 15, 16. I think I played six years. I think 13 was the first year I played. Mm-hmm. And I won my division every single... So six years in a row, I never lost a tournament, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of cool. And I think my final year, I think I shot 77 at north country to win it and that was considered the lowest gross score because i think the champ the person they gave out the first and second mm-hmm. qualified in three different divisions for both boys and girls mm-hmm. and then they gave the lowest gross trophy that was like the big one if you had the lowest score yeah. of everybody and i got it my, my last year playing in it and i'd mm-hmm. never gotten it before and this was each year like uh cody played in it Mm-hmm. Um, there's other guys that played it. Cody was a little bit older than us, so I don't think I was ever in his division. Right. Um, Cody Roberts, right? Roberts. But I always played with you. I always played. Like, so it was fun. And all the good players from North Country, all the juniors played. And uh, out of the six years I won, I only went to two state tournaments. She always qualified to go to states. Mm-hmm. The first year I won, I was 13. And I went down to the Catskills to play. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, the course was fine. It was very up and down. I don't have a lot of memories of the course besides it was kind of an up and down course. And uh, Tiger, let's go. Uh, oh, are you kidding me? See if it was Nike ball that would have dipped. Um, <laughs> so Nike doesn't make golf balls anymore, do they? No, I know. Yeah. What, was that for Eagle? That's number two. I'm assuming that was for Eagle. Yeah, so he's probably tapping so birdie. Tapping birdie. So, um, so whatever. So well, this might be for both. Oh, double. Man, he's going back down to even. He's going to make a triple. Ooh, on a 350-yard hole. I'd still like to know what happened with that drive because I'm I'm in the same. Did you see the same as me? You saw it sitting there. I, yeah. Did I, someone take it? I know it sounds crazy, but did someone just happen to walk up and just grab it? I wouldn't think so, but the only people that are. So I'm there assuming are, that was a birdie for Taggart, right? This is hole two. So he's five under. He almost blasted in for eagle. Yep. Five under. Here we go. And I if Tagger wins. Pick up a couple on this side. Make Tagger it. wins. So 
I don't know what we're just talking about, but the thing is, up until last year, do you remember the last? Do you remember when Tiger won the last major? He won a few tournaments in between. He had his whole like, he actually had one of the greatest scandal of all time that nobody remembers. If you talk about Tiger now, people are like, wait, yeah, he did have something. Like I, don't, I did never think of his Tiger's, you know, issues probably back in what 2009, 10. But like prior to that, do you remember before he kind of fell off and then he started hurting his back and stuff when he was still tag, peak Tagger? Do you remember the day he won his last major? I do not. It was our class day. Was it? it was, to the day. And the reason I remember this is because we ended up going and I remember wanting to watch it. So it went to a Monday playoff. So he won it. It was MH's birthday. Okay. And... Basically, what happened? We got off class day. Class day, we you know we're we're in our we're in like tuxes. Girls are almost like in almost like wedding dresses kind of thing. It was like gowns. And uh, la- this is your last day of high school at Shazy. This is Monday, the day after the U.S. Open. Like, and this is why we never like a lot of the U.S. Opens we went to. Like, we always cut it short because we had to get back for school because like, class day and stuff. So, whatever, go to class day, come home. I remember running over to MHs right after class day to watch the Masters. I remember me, Mike, I think Nick was with us, sitting in our tuxes. Not, in, not it, the Masters, right? I'm sorry, my bad. U.S. Open. U.S. Open. This is at Torrey Pines. Sitting in our tuxes, watching the U.S. Open in the living room. Haven't changed yet. Literally, I've just came from whatever we had to do. Watching the fine, like, line holes of the Masters. And he won, or, oh, sorry, U.S. Open. And he won it. That was the last time he won a major up until last year at the Masters. Last year for the match, I almost cried. I remember watching oh, it. it was great. Dude, I'm like, dude, Tagger won. This is, and, and for anybody like, it's kind of like, this is a guy that I grew up watching. My, like, my formative years of like, when I was really into golf, every major he won, with the exception of maybe like the first two, one, two. I think he won in 99, 1997. I think from like 2000 on, I watched all his tournaments. Mm hmm. So I watched almost every one of his ma- his majors, and then he won it my last day of high school, and didn't win it again until last year. Now at the time I had two kids, I was married, I had gone through my almost my entire twenties. Like think about what I had gone through over ten years from mat- from win to win, and then he wins. It's like it literally was like time being turned, the clock being turned right. back, and like me, it was like a nostalgic moment. And I'm like Tiger winning, and what really. We talked about this before. What really got me was when, remember when he won in '97, and he mm-hmm. goes in the back of the green, he hugs his dad and hugs his mom. Yep. So he I goes in the back. He goes, but this is this is the thing. Most people would think of the first thing I'm going to say, but not the second thing. He runs in the back and he hugs his son, mm-hmm. which is like a big, like full circle. What really got me was not the fact that he hung, hugged his son or daughter. Was when he hugged his mom, mm-hmm. and I remember when he hugged his mom, like Tita or whatever her name is, like, and she's this old lady. She's got gray hair. She's just much older than she was twenty something years ago. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like I have such vivid memories, not of him winning because that was before my time, but like I've seen that replay so many times. Him winning, running, hugging his dad, hugging his mom at the back of the green. To turn around and see him hug his kid, then look and then see him hug his mom again. I'm like, holy crap! Now again, this is when I'm. Uh, I'm softer now. Like again, I have kids. I'm married. Like it's just like it's like I'm like dad mode, not kid mode. So when I see 
that when I'm like, holy crap, his mom was obviously, which it just sounds like stupid. Like, yes, his mom would be there. Well, but to see yeah. it 23 year, 22 years later that she's still there behind the green and see him from when he was a kid, which is when I was a kid, mm-hmm. to now when I was an adult. And I'm like, holy crap, this is really, like, that's what blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Which for him probably was like, it was cool to see his son. But for me, it was like the, the idea of seeing his mom in almost like as two different ladies sitting there with basically two different kids. Mm-hmm. You know, Tagger as a 20-something-year-old, young 20-year-old to now he's 40 with two kids and like coming back from all this stuff to win it. Mm-hmm. So like if Tagger wins again, I will be so jacked up. I'm rooting for Tagger, 100%. Tagger train, can't yeah. stop it. Yeah. I want Phil. Trust me, if Phil wins, I'll be I, just excited. I'm a huge, I, well, I like both of them, but Phil, Phil's, I'm a big Phil fan. Um, do you remember when he won the tour championship? 2018 yeah unreal and the sea of people that followed him up the 18th hole after he hit a second shot unreal it's yeah it's and, and the thing about that and i was saying this the other day remember when he won the masters last year he made the putt and put his arms up in the air whatever celebrating mm-hmm. and then you look in the crowd and i see a bunch of like what was cool about that moment is i see a bunch of younger guys in the mm-hmm. crowd i see younger 20 30 year olds 40 year olds and i'm like those guys were, when he last won a major, Word. were our age or 20-year-olds that followed golf like we would now mm-hmm. or back then, winning. And I can just, like, when he won, it was like all the kids, our, our guys our age that were like, that's like the guy we knew growing up. And right. then for him to still do it when we yeah. were adults is the thing that just blows my mind. So, no, no, I'm, I got a half, a half a bomber here. Um I don't know. It it just it's it's such a cool thing. Like I I'm hoping he wins this year. I hope he beats Jack's record. The chances that happens very slim based on just his. But it, Jack's it, at what twenty one? No, eighteen. Eighteen. Sorry. Um, Tiger's at fifteen. He needs he needs four to break him. I don't think that's happening. And I again I love Tiger, but to go ten years when you should have been kind of in still your prime and not win, which shows how remarkable he was in the first few years of it, or first decade of his of his career. You never know. The what's your favorite hole at Augusta? Um, only because of all the memories that we've watched on it is probably eighteen. You, you think eighteen? You got to hit your tee shot. You got to keep it out of that bunker. And then you gotta, you know, you gotta hit the green. You know, somebody that's got to make birdie, that's not an easy birdie. Um, man, my 13, just because, like, Amen Corner, just because, like, Amen Corner. The hole that I really like, the ones that stand out to me, like, not a lot in the front nine. The ones on the front nine that stand out to me is two and eight because of the par fives. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. What's I, the whole, what's the par three in the back? The 16 last year yeah 16 where tiger made three mm-hmm. and i watched brooks kepka and no 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 that was uh 12 over the water yes yeah and they both hit it in the water that one's probably the most iconic augusta national course because mm-hmm. that's right a main corner number 12 the fir- the front nine i like two and i like eight because they offer eagles right there's no other hole one three Four, five, six, seven, and seven are unforgettable. Nine, I kind of remember because kind of you have that big height, way playing way up to the top of the hill. 
10's had some moments because typically they play the first playoff hole in number 10 mm-hmm. at the Masters. So you've had some winners on... on Is that where Mike, Bubba Mike hook, Weir won. hooked a wedge? Yep. Like 80 yards? Yep. And <laughs> so there was crazy. So there were some guys that... 10's kind of iconic for that, but like take 10 out. 11's going down the Amen corner. You know more of the green than anything. 12. 13 because it's the par, uh, par 5. I still remember the year Phil won. Not in 04, in 06. When he hit it from the pine straw mm-hmm. over, but yep. again he missed the putt, made both made, made he birdied, but it <laughs> would have been cool if he made eagle. Yep. Um, the hole that I think seventeen is kind of a forgettable hole. Fourteen is kind of an easy hole. Um, I remember again Phil draw drawn that back in um, two thousand four to like a tap in. Mm-hmm. The one I really like is fifteen, the par five down the water over the water. Okay. Because you got to think the last look, you get past. Amen corner. 14's like kind of like a little like we're getting you into the final. Mm-hmm. And then it's par five that's that's reachable in two. The par three with the crowd. Uh, then that's all good. 17 again is forgettable. And then 18. So I would say the 15-16 combo because mm-hmm. you're right then you're in the thick of like if you're going to win it or not, you're, you're in it. Right. And the 15th hole, I think just because the proximity within the round is towards the end, but it's par five and you could have like you could bogey, you could double, you could eagle. Right. I think there's such a big sway there, and then it goes right into 16. And I think that that little combo, the 15-16, is my favorite part of Augusta. I mean, I like aiming corner, but aiming corners is still early in the round. Right. Yeah, I would say about two thirds of the way through. There's a lot of golf to be played after that. Mm-hmm. No, I can. Man, I I'd love that. to see Rory do it, but. Yeah, he's he had a real bad day yesterday. I'm not a fan of these outfits. Which ones? I notice everybody in Nike has that same type of outfit on. I don't like that color. <laughs> Is it green? Well, it's like a brownish green. So Tagger yesterday had it, and I, I remember looking at him like, "Is Tagger wearing red?" I oddly thought Tagger was wearing red yesterday, and it wasn't. I'm colorblind, so it was like it was like a greenish brown color, but it yeah. kind of looked reddish. Um, I know his outfit I loved yesterday. With Paul Casey's. The green pants, green hat with like the white shirt that had like Nike logos on it. Yep. Like I that would be something I'd wear. I love green, but mm-hmm. it was like the Masters green. It was really cool. Like John Rahm right now wearing a very boring outfit. Yeah. Plain white. Plain white with a little pinstripe and blue blue slacks. Yeah. I don't like the Louis too. I don't like that blue with the white. Yesterday, Paul Casey right now has the to me has the outfit of the match. I'm waiting to see like Ricky. Taggers looking what is that? That's it's like black. White and black. Yeah. Uh, what hole is he on now? Three? Mm-hmm. Zip Sit. that back. Turn it. Turn it. Turn it. Get a pill putt. That's all we want, Tagger. Sit. Sit. That's fine. Yep. What's that about? 15 feet. You think so? 20 feet. I was, was going to say 12. 10, 12 feet. Uphill, though. Uphill that's a little right left. He's probably made that, probably attempted that. God, look at that leaderboard. Cameron Smith, don't know him, answer, but Thomas and D- Johnson posted, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a big DJ fan. I do like DJ. The thing is, he so there's one. If you go on, Taylor Made Golf makes some phenomenal videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go on, Dustin Johnson sounds not very smart when he talks. <laughs> but when they when some guy was asking him about wedges and you, he started to like kind of talk about wedges, he's very knowledgeable. Yeah. And and that you got to think too. Like obviously he's playing as a professional golfer. Mm-hmm. 
So he's got to have some type of knowledge, not just yeah. athleticism. But when he started talking about stuff, you're like, no, no, he knows what's going on. He just, it's hard for him to articulate it. He's very nonchalant. Yeah. And some guys are way too technical. Bryson, like, way too technical. Oh, it's like, so Bryson's good. on, like, the, the crazy scale. Dustin's on the fuel scale. Yeah. I would say I actually trend more Bryson than, just, than Dustin Johnson, but not much. Again, if you go Dustin Johnson, kind of like, eh, and then you got um, Bryson up here. 50-50, I think I'd be like 55%, 60% Bryson. Meaning I do like the, the technique science behind it. And I do play a lot by feel, yeah. but I play by feel once I have kind of like the thing set up. So mm -hmm. when I'm talking like, when I was just talk, talking to you about grinds and wedges and stuff, like I like doing that research, mm -hmm. but then I play by feel. Yep. You know, and, and sometimes like when you talk about even like wedges, like going back like on the clock or something. I don't mm -hmm. do that. I'm always just like go back and just accelerate into the shot. Yeah. Well, so I kind of have a different feel when I do it. Yeah. So I've just through the practice that I've done and everything, I, I do tend to, um, I do tend to use the, the clock a little bit. Like I know if I have my 56 degree wedge in my hand and I go back to, let's say I go to three o'clock. Mm-hmm. I know that's going to go roughly 60 yards. Okay. So so when I'm... Now, is 3 o'clock hands or, or club? That is hands. Okay. Yep. Because the club's obviously, so... Because some guys go like 3, three Say... It's 3 o'clock in your hands. It's really just like waist high. Yeah. 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 So maybe, so maybe not... So maybe 40 yards. Mm -hmm. But I've... Over time, I've taught myself that so you know i know what the full wedge does i know what three quarters i know what the half i know what a little and then also with that little one depending on where you keep your hands if you get your hands forward that's obviously going to go a little farther it's going to come out a little lower yeah so it's i've taught myself those shots i still to this to this day you put me at 115 i'm going to be in heaven if i'm Is it full Depending on the wind and what we're looking at for terrain, it's a full sand wedge or a nice controlled three-quarter gap wedge. So your stock club is to hit it to 115. Yep. Because, and this is the thing that I didn't play as a kid. Like, you had an idea, but yep. like when I was a kid, I was like, just hit it down to 100. Right. Because like 100 is like an easy number. Right. Or, or if you were anything like me back then, it's hit it as far as you can and well, figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that, was, that, that was actually, yeah, that yeah. was plan A. Plan B was yeah. get to 100. Now I look at it as, and I was doing research, like Dustin Johnson's like, some guy's like, he hit a 50-yard shot. And he's like, okay. He goes, well, I never, I don't really have a 50-yard shot. And basically what he was saying is like, I, I wouldn't ever leave myself 50 yards. Right. Because they work their way back. Right. So if he's like, no, I just would take a little less club and I'd play to 85 yards. Because I know my 85-yard shots, I got a stock 85 shot. But my 50, it's like figuring it out. And it's funny that pros... And this is a thing that I never really understood, honestly, till recently, that they play to just, even on the wedges, they just play to a number they're comfortable at. It doesn't mean they're going to, like, right. like Dustin Johnson could run up 30 more yards to 50 yards, but he's like, well, I'd rather just hit the 85 yard. Right. Which, is, it's funny to think about that, but yeah, that's how it works. Well, so back to, you said, like, two at the barracks. So, no, I don't have to hit a driver out there, because mm -hmm. I'll, you know, if I don't get close to the green, I'm probably going to have 40, 50, 60, 70 yards left to me that's no good i can hit the shot but consistently no so, so what would you hit off that because that's about what 270 280 
roughly? Might be a little longer. Like during the tournament, I hit uh, hybrid twice. To what? About a hundred. Yeah, roughly. So, and I've learned just from playing there. I learned obviously lefts much better than right there. So my second from like the first time I played it in the morning, I was with Mike Rowe, and I was like, I'm just gonna blow this at the third tee box and hope I don't get behind a tree. Flags on the. I think that. Wait, this on number two. Yep. Wait, you hit a hybrid there. Yep. See, the way I always look at that hole is, like, I could probably hit a a five iron off the tee, and I would say my five iron or hybrid is going to give me down to one twenty. 100, mm-hmm. which is great. To me, that's me pulling out a, a 54, mm-hmm. probably getting around the green. Yep. My other thought is I can take a driver and I can blast my driver down there. Like this year, the when I hit the driver well, and one time I remember hitting it well, I hit a little fade, played at the third tee box, mm-hmm. faded it down. I went through, you know the little dip in front? Yep. It's about 20 yards in front, 30 yards in front. Mm-hmm. Went past the dip. And I was in the left rough 20 yards out. Mm-hmm. I think, right? That's about right. 20 yeah. yards out? Yeah. So to me, I'm like... See, I, 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 I hate that. But see, like, I'd rather hit a 20-yard shot to 20... Uh, sorry. I'd rather hit a driver to 20, 30 yards away, open up my sand wedge, and try to pitch my sand wedge on. Knowing my sand wedge, the chances I can hit that close... Or at least my, my skill set currently. The chances I can hit that into, like... Within 20 feet, 10 feet, something like that is greater than I can from 115. Because my 115, I could probably hit it on the green. Back in the day, my wedges were very good. Like, I was like, hey, if I'm at a, my 100 back in the day was a 56, like stock, maybe 105. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to sit up, take my sandwich, full swing sandwich. I am going to hit it on the green nine out of 10 times. I'm going to hit it within a good birdie putt, probably 20, 20 feet, mm-hmm. six or seven out of 10 times. Mm-hmm. I'm going to probably hit it right there. And now, guaranteed, I'm going to take it. I was a very good wedge player. Now, I'm not. So, like, sometimes I'm like, let me blast as close as possible where I can just open up the club, hit a nice little pitch shot towards this guy's going to get a hole in one just because they're showing this guy. Did you see John Ron skip across the water? I did. Second hole in one in two days. I don't know if you'd really call it a hole in one. I mean, he holed out. That's just fun to watch. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, it was was just... Did VJ Singh win the Masters? I think he did. Because there's no way he's playing unless he did. But no, I don't he's remember. Not, no, he. That's the only way he qualifies. Yeah. He must have won. I hate VJ Singh. Yeah. The reason I hate VJ Singh, I went to a tournament one time and he walked by and we were trying to get autographs and he made some comment about like I'm not giving autographs. Like it was like pretty nasty and I'm like, dude, no offense, bro. Like I don't even want your autograph. You're just a pro golfer and you happen to walk by and I'm trying to get autographs. But he was like kind of a douchebag about it, so I didn't. Yeah. And again, maybe he's a nice guy. I don't know, but. He's not like one of those dudes I'm like really excited to talk to. Right. Or like, no. I think the, like this guy, Canadian right here. Hadwin? Adam Hadwin. He's a good golfer. Nice swing. I wonder where he's, he must be Toronto. Him? Was that Corey Connors from Canada? Where's Mike Weir from? Ottawa? I do not know. Not Ottawa. I mean, Ontario. I would say, because he didn't really have a Canadian accent. Is this uh, Matsuza? He's got what? He's got the buttoned-up pinstripe here. Matsuyama. He was really good a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Someone said he's like playing really well right now, but I don't know. 
Well, he's five under. What is Mike Weir's net worth? <laughs> 25 mil. Sarnia, works. Ontario, Canada. Hmm. All right. What's Mike Weir doing now? I'm going to pull a... Matt Craig? We're doing good. We're going a little long, but it's all right. It's all right. Freddie Couple, 61 years old. Just random facts of the day. Let me see. Golf left-handed for winning the Masters 2003. Mike Weir. There we go. Shout out. Age 50. Sarnia, Ontario. Resides in Sandy, Utah. He's got two kids. Lily and Ella. Ellie. I got divorced. That's sad to see, but whatever. 2014. More time for golf, I guess, for him. Um, Southwestern Ontario, Lake Huron. Hmm. Well, fun facts of the day. LaSalle. I don't know. Random fact. I've never been to uh, Toronto. Never been to, uh, let me see, Niagara Falls. Never been there. I just find it's weird, like living in New York, that... Buffalo is like nine hours away, and I don't know if there's anything like really a reason to go out Western New York. I'm not a big fan of Western New York. I think so. This is the thing. Like back in the day, even going to college and stuff, I'm like, I don't want to go to anything west of Plattsburgh. And I, I basically applied to Plattsburgh, went to Plattsburgh, whatever. You know, Western New York, Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo, just not for me. Um, shout out. Philip Page, probably not listening to this. Philip, great, great, uh, great egg. Um, he's my uh, my token uh, Western New York guy. I mean, I don't know a lot of people that that live out there, but I just not a place that I really go visit much. Even though I realize that we're so northeast that majority of our state is out there, which is crazy to think about. But I'm pretty much an, I call myself like an '87 New Yorker, like I '87. Go from here down to Albany, down to New York City, back up. Don't really care to go left um, or left. Care to go west. So, that's just me in a nutshell. Um, I don't know. The uh, the Masters, though. I mean, I know this is golf. It's not a golf, golf podcast. We're talking golf today, though. The uh, There's something special about this tournament. And I don't know what it is. I'm terrible at golf. I love it. It's kind of one of those things I can always get better at. But there's something to say about playing the same tournament over and over and over again. I remember as a kid. Remember the logo as a kid? When they had uh, Augusta National and the Masters, and they always—I remember—I remember thinking of this as a kid. You know, the logo has like the hole in Georgia. Yep. On the map, and I always thought in my head, "Well, that's kind of dumb. Like, what happens if it went to a different course? Like, do they have to move it around the state of not realizing it was always in the same part of the country? The only major that's in the same location, which is kind of cool to play the same course every year. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is an advantage for certain golfers. You know, if you're really good at the Masters, but like. There's some golfers like, I just can't play it. Like, why can't we rotate this each year? Cameron Cham- Cameron Cham? Mm-hmm. He's a good golfer, too. I, I thought he had a real shot to win the PGA this year. Yes. Hits the ball a long ways, though. Yep. Yep. Who's your favorite golfer right now? I Not because he's on top of the leaderboard, but I'm a huge DJ fan. What, what, what reasons? I just like his demeanor on the golf course. He does not. Hey, well... Should say he doesn't care. He doesn't show that he cares. Do you like the style of the game he plays? Yeah, I mean, he basically just hits it and goes and finds it and hits it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I heard um, 
that his brother-in-law, Wayne Gretzky's son, is a good golfer? Is that true? I do not know. I forgot what his name is because he dates, what's her name? Paulina? Paulina. Let me see. I mean, I mean, Gretzky. I'm a big fan of Brooks, too. Do you just like his like carefree attitude? Because sometimes That's, I find that so he... So between the two of them, yeah. I mean, and you know me from younger days, like, oh, I care about everything. Like we talked, I make a double bogey and I might as well forget it. They just make a double bogey. All right. Let's go see what happens. So you just like Brooks's like kind of attitude? Well, I like, uh, so like DJ is very nonchalant. doesn't show that he cares that much. He just goes about his business and sees you know, whatever happens, happens. I like, so Brooks is kind of the same way. Um, not going to lie. I like the, the, how do I, with Brooks, I like the, how do I want to say this? Cocky confidence. Does that make sense? Yep. yep. You find that he's cocky? Not on the golf course, but like if you ask him something and he disagrees with it or he's, he's going to tell you. <laughs> um, I kind of, I, so the thing is I like Brooks Kapka. This is the problem I have with Brooks Kapka. Uh, not that it's terrible, but I find, you know, when some guys are like, they come across too cool for school kind of deal where he just thinks that like anybody who doesn't really like is just kind of like not worth his time. Right. That's kind of the thing I dislike. Like, I don't care if you're like cocky or whatever. Like, I almost find that Brooks and Bryson are the same level of cocky confidence, but Bryson does it, I actually think, in a more welcoming way where you might think like, dude, shut up, you're annoying. But I think he's like so like, I'm willing to answer your questions. I'm willing to... Mm-hmm. do whatever he's almost over the top where brooks is very like closed and he's kind of like just don't bother me like i like almost like i'm going to answer your question but i'm only answering it because i'm good and i have to be here but i don't want to answer your question where i think bryce is like yeah dude i'll answer your question i'll answer all the questions and yeah. but i think they're both when they start talking i think that brooks doesn't care which i kind of like but i also think that he embellishes a lot where he's like i don't even practice i'm like dude you don't yeah. I don't believe you play on the PGA Tour and don't practice and you right. just go play. I call bullshit on that. You don't. That's not true. Right. Like, well, that and then have you ever heard him not not say in the media sense, but in outlet, different outlets, he's it's like, I don't even really like golf. <laughs> I'm just good at yeah, it. I don't, I don't believe that. No. I, no. I mean. You can't play at that level and not like what you're doing. You love golf. And yeah. that guy likes golf more than anything. Or you said, hey, okay, that's fine, bud. I'm going to give you the same amount of money and you're never going to be able to touch a golf club again. He wouldn't do it. He would be like, yeah. no, I want to play. So I, I, I call his bluff on that. So and the thing is, I don't think you have to act like you don't care. Like if you go on win the Masters and pretend that you don't care, like it doesn't prove anything. No. I'd rather like a kid go out and be like, oh my God, I've been dreaming about this my whole life. This right. is incredible. Because that's what all of them do. Right. They're not playing And golf. then, like I don't know how much you know Brooks Kepka, but his path to the PGA Tour. Well, he was like European Tour, Yeah, like he went tour. over to Europe and he put his time in. He put the effort in and... He did what he had to do. You don't do that unless you... Unless you love the game. Yeah. Exactly. Because how many guys say, hey, I love the game of golf. I just got burnt out and didn't want to do it anymore. Right. And hey, that's that's legitimate. Like, I right. I don't blame you on that. The uh, Well, that's fine. Uh, Adam Crosley was just outside when I went out there. And he was. He asked me how my golf game was. And you said you're on the podcast? You should have told him to come in. See well, I, he, I went to the bathroom and he disappeared. Disappeared. Yeah. Man of a uh, man of mystery. I actually went to breakfast with him today. Um, but um, no, he asked about my. Oh, golf speaking game. of him, Mike Weir. Here we go. 
Mike, haven't showed you all day. This is a hole in one. Let's go. This is a hole in one. Come on. Why? That's what you showed? I mean, it's a good shot, but like. Well, where is he on the, leader, on the scoreboard? I think they showed him as even or one over or one under. Yeah. Like Ian Poulter. Poulter. Um, yeah, no, so I, I told him, I said, I, I haven't really played much since mid-October when we played this. And I played the day after. And he goes, well, that's not like you. I said, I, said, I was furloughed all summer, so all I did was play golf. I got kind of, I felt burnt out. Like I didn't have the, I didn't feel the drive to want to go play anymore. Did, and that's the thing, like these guys play all the time. Yeah. So we do, and, and you got to think like even local guys that play golf all the time, they love the game, but there's guys that you know that play every day, oh, no yeah. matter what, yeah. every day. Yeah. And, and I would say there's a mixture. There's a, there's a group of guys that can play every day. Mm-hmm. And there's a group of good players that can't physically play every day because just like physically or because anything, if you're like one of those old dudes that goes out and slaps the golf ball, gets in the cart, drives up, you can play every day. Right. Guys that play a lot of golf, golf, golf can be fairly taxing. There's times I play golf the next day, my back's tight, stiff because right. like you're well, and not not even physically, mentally, and mentally too. If you're like really a, trying to play, like I remember back when I was playing really good golf and I finished like second in the Corona and I did well in a club championship. I remember talking to Ed Davis because I he's probably the best, if not top three golf I agree. persons in, or people in the area. So I'm I'm, ta- I'm just picking his brain a little bit, and he's like, "You got to understand that bad days are going to happen." He goes, "Yes, we can all play the game at a high level." He said, "At some point, it's going to become mentally draining, and you just can't." He goes, "That 72 that you're looking for might be a 77 today." And he, he kind of put that in perspective for me by, like, here's a guy who has won the Masters North twice. Um, he's won. That's always won? It's twice? Yeah, he's always in the top five. Yeah. But he's, he's won twice. He's won the Corona several times. Like, here's a guy who has the success, and he's even telling me that, you know, it's not always going to be there. You know, you got to pick your battles, and, you know, if it's not there, it's not there. So, I... Don't think I've ever talked to Ed in my life. I think he played with you one time in the Masters North. I was with you, or maybe he played in the group of front or behind. I don't think I've ever talked to Ed. I don't know if Ed knows. I mean, I think he knows who I am, but I don't. I don't really know him personally. He is uh, just watching him play and hearing people talk about him. Like he's incredible. Like from a golf perspective, and I just I would love to just like he stands on the wrong side of the, go- the golf. Course. That's, that's one day he'll figure it out. You yeah. Know? So, but I think <laughs> if I think if uh, I would love to just go watch a guy like that play. The other one, which I didn't know, because Alec came on the other day, and you, I think you mentioned the Art Griffin kid. Yeah. So he, I remember the name when he was playing high school golf, mm-hmm. and he was good, and he was young at the time. He's probably like eighth, eighth, nine, tenth, or eighth grade, ninth, tenth, something like that. Yep. So before yeah. you get into this. Did Alec get into what he's doing now? Because he's got like my dream job. <laughs> kind of. He is the assistant pro at TPC Sawgrass. Sawgrass. So Alec, I was playing with the other day. He mentioned. So he was on the podcast. He mentioned him, and I said, "Hey, I remember that kid's name." Mm-hmm. Don't know anything about him. Like I remember he's from like Pl- he went to high school at Lake Placid. I said, "I yep. don't know what he looks like. Don't know anything about him. I know he was a very good golfer." Um, so I'm like, well, let me do like a deep dive into him. What a deep dive. You know what I mean? I like yeah. went on, like looked him up on Instagram. Like mm-hmm. he's on there. So he had an Instagram account. So I went through. And not realizing that this kid is playing like, like the US Amps. Yeah. 
like really good. Yep. Watch some of his golf swings and I mean pro caliber golf swing. Yep. So then I talked to Alec. I'm like, he's like, yeah, he's a, he's like a pro golfer. Now, mm-hmm. the thing is, a lot of people embellish the idea of a pro golfer. Like a lot of people are like, oh, he's a pro. Like I mean, he's good. I'm like, no, no, no. Like there's a pro. There's good and there's pro. No, he's he's yeah. So he said he and, and Alec Alec odd to how I'm talking about uh, podcast guests. I don't know, probably five, six, seven, eight episodes ago. Um, was saying that he's played with him before and he was a nice kid, about the same age and mm-hmm. really good golfer. And he was PGA pro. So I was actually golfing with Alec earlier this week. First time I golfed with Alec. Alec is a stellar guy, great to play with, good golfer too. Like I said, probably uh, probably about like high seventy golfer, something like that. And said that he was playing with Art. I guess supposedly he plays like I said. Oh, you got the CG ten wedge. This is awesome. Because actually, Art gave it to me because I needed a wedge, and I asked if I could like buy one of his old wedges off him for cheap or whatever. And he just gave him this wedge. He's like, I'm never gonna use it. And I remember the CG tens from uh, Cleveland. Oh yeah, good wedges. So. Um, so he was telling me, he's like, yeah, he's, no, he's a pro. And do you remember Derek Sprague? Very well, yeah. So I've never met Derek, but he's, I remember uh, he was the Malone guy. Well, Malone, but more importantly, he was the uh, president of the PGA. Yes, but he was that at Malone. And yep. then he went down to Liberty National for yep. like a year or two. Yep. And now he's at Sawgrass. Mm-hmm. And which is crazy to go from Malone, which locally is one of the best courses up here. Probably if it, not the best. It is the best. So you go from Malone to to Liberty National outside New York City to now you go down the Sawgrass. And I guess um, what's his, uh, Alec had said that this art kid lives like down in Sawgrass and practices all. I didn't know he was the assistant pro. Mm-hmm. But he said that he's trying to like get on the PGA Tour. He's probably young still. He's probably like early 20s, 22, 23. I don't know we're, the kid at all. We're, but We're 30... Twenty-five, yeah, yeah, maybe twenty-five. Yeah, and and I mean, I guess he's really good. So, but it's kind of cool to like watch a kid that's from like Placid be that yeah. good. Um, I'm curious to see. I would love to see him. It'd be cool, to, like turn on the TV and like that's him. And he's like, oh, he's from Whiteface or wherever he's from, uh, Lake Placid, not Whiteface, Lake Placid Country Club or whatever. Yep. So his family owns Lake Placid Club. Oh, they do. Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, I think so. Between there and I think Craigwood, he, he they, that's where he plays the majority of his golf when he's here. So his parents own the the Links and Mountain Course. I that's cool. I believe so. Don't hold me to that. But um, my biggest Art Griffin star. So I, I actually have I was, you played with him? Yeah, I was able to play with him on a Saturday at Tupper Lake, and he actually went on to win the tournament. My biggest memory with him, not only that he was good and he hit everything where he was looking, like you could ask as flags on the right, he's looking at the middle of the green with a little fade. Yeah. And he hits it. But my biggest memory that I had is I remember this is back when I was playing really good golf. I was hitting the driver well. Um, I would hit driver off the tee, and he would hit like a one iron, and we'd be 10 feet apart. Yeah. He just absolutely demolished he's the not, golf ball. He's not a big kid, right? He's tall. Tall? Skinny, but tall. Like we're we're probably what five six five seven. Yeah, I'd say he's five eleven, five ten, six foot. Oh, he's maybe more than that. Really? Okay. Yeah, he stands like I, when we're talk like we saw each other this year. He's in the pro flight at Tupper Lake. We were talking and like I don't think I stand above his shoulders. Wow. So he didn't win the tournament. Tupper no, Lake. no, he actually. So he lost to that guy. He actually. No, I think he he 
he very respectful. I think he finished second at like two under or something. Did he play with that guy though? On Sunday. That's crazy. Like that's, that's the thing with golf. Like when you talk about how good these guys are, like that guy, jazz, whatever. Like you're talking about playing in the Masters and you're that good. Mm-hmm. Like that guy, he's too. Wow, he's one over now. What do he do again? Well, he made that triple. I saw that we went to even to bogeyed, bogeyed. Wow, so he's five over. He's not even going to make the cut. So he's even right now. Oh, he's one over, and the cut's projected at even? Yeah. That's wild. So he's 10 back from... Because they're, they're not doing within 10 this year. Right. So... It's top 15... 15 ties. Ties, yeah. Hmm. I think that's just because of the darkness factor. But he... Uh, so, whatever his name is, that art kid, like... I don't know if he... I would love to see him play. Like, I like just watching good players play, but mm-hmm. for him to be, like, playing in USAMs and stuff, like, USAMs, not, like, New York AM or anything, like, the legit USAM. He's probably played in New York AMs, too, but that's impressive. Yeah. I just, like, I think golf's the one sport that I've seen, like, pro sports. Golf's the f- only one that I really can appreciate. Baseball, don't get me wrong. They're hitting fastballs and throwing, that, like, that speed in football and stuff, yeah. but golf is one that we just play, and, like, they're just that good. Yeah. Like, it's insane. Well, he's, I mean, he's won the Masters North. Several, four or five, three, well, probably four or five times. Who, Art? Yeah. I remember one year I was up there and um, he made an eight. He made an eight on 17. So it's a par four. So he's, you know, quadruple bogeys it. And he makes par on 18. He shoots 74. He's like two shots off the lead. He goes, and he, somebody from the press was there and they're like, so what's it going to take tomorrow? He goes, don't know, don't really care. He goes, I'm going to probably shoot 67, 68, and it's game over. That's what he said? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, everybody's kind of like, well, a little cocky. Or, but he went out, he shot 66. It's like, when you know. Yeah. Like, There's a different level. If you're yeah. good. Like me, if I go out, I'm like, I just hope not to shoot like 95. And I, like, like, I'm thinking about like. I played Malone enough now that I know the ins and the outs of it. If I were to go play there on a, just on any given day and play well, I mean, I think I can get around par. What what, it, what do you think's the? Where do you think you're? What, where do you lack? Do you think? I mean, for, I say, for, I say for, lack in the sense of like, hey, you play a lot of golf. For me, big picture, or me at Malone, big picture. Like, as a player, like, where do you think, what's stopping you from being, like, a, a, a below-scratch golfer? Short game. Really? So you think the long ball, like, you think, like, hitting the ball, ball striking's fine? Yep. So if, if I look back at my best rounds that I've ever had, it's usually when I'm hitting between 12 and, well, 18 greens. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever hit 18 greens in a round. But. So when I'm hitting greens, that means... I could two put for par, maybe throw a few birdies in there, whatever. So if I'm not hitting greens and I'm not getting up and down, that's when I, you know, 76, 7, 8, 9, 80, you know. Yeah, I, so my, when I was playing my best golf, I remember I could get up and down 80% of the time. Yeah. And from anywhere, I was like hard shots. I was like, 
I was able to get it inside five feet. Like I, it was just, I was really good. And I find now, short game is always going to be the, where you shape strokes. But right. my my ball striking right now is so inconsistent mm-hmm. that even if because beginning of the year I was my wedge game, first half of this year was extremely good. Mm-hmm. I would just, I mean, four holes out of the round, I'm hitting throughout the tee. So I'm like, what the? And not not terrible shots, but like. No, hooked it left and it just trickled into and I'm like whatever I can't find it like yep. so I find that if I could clean up my ball striking where I could hit instead of four or five greens in regulation in a round I could hit 11-12 in a round and then mm-hmm. get up and down from a couple because you know if you're ball if you're hitting 12 greens in regulation the six you're not you should be able to get up and down I think 80% of those because they should be around the green right and that's the, that was the, when I used to play when I was averaging a 76, 77, that's what happened. I could, I would miss six, seven greens, but I'd get up and down on over half of them. And mm-hmm. there's, there's, once I did it, there's my bogeys. And then I had a couple birdies and I would be, you know, right in that mid to upper 70s. Right. Now, when you're hitting well, any shot, really, are you, do you pick targets? Um, I, like, like not, not saying like the flag. Like, no, I know what you mean, like back tree or off the bunker or stuff. Well, yeah, so do you pick a tree or even more so, like, for me, like, so I survey the situation. Um, okay, we're going to hit a, a little draw here. You know, we're 150 yards out. I got an 8-iron, 9-iron in my hand, whatever. So I pick a tree that I'm going to try to hit this off of. Mm-hmm. I pick a tree that I want it to finish on. And then I also try to pick something maybe three feet in front of my ball that I want to start it over. So do I do that? No. So what I do when I was playing a lot and even now I will pick a target mm-hmm. to hit at in the distance. And I remember actually who told me this was, uh, Oh my God. Uh, Denny, Denny Laporte mm-hmm. told me as a kid and I was a junior golfer, and I remember Denny saying, pick just something out in the distance and hit it at it. And he told me that a long time ago. And uh, I remember him telling me that, so I'm like, okay. So if I'm hitting, same thing. A tree, bunker, clubhouse, telephone pole, whatever there's behind where you're trying to hit. Mm-hmm. Of a tee shot, it might literally just be off of the left side of the bunker. Like, take number 17, North Country. Mm-hmm. I want it, I used to play back in the day, I want to go right over the left side of that bunker. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that was my line. So... I would pick that. I would never pick where I wanted to finish. So usually I was like, hey, I'm going to go over that bunker and try to hit it straight, try to draw it, try to fade it, whatever. I would pick a target to hit at and then play the shot off of that line. Right. I never, ever, ever in my life picked a target in front of me. Because I know people would say like, hey, if you're here and you like glance down, try to hit it over there. Like in my mind, like that doesn't, are you talking full shots or putts? No, this is full shots. Yeah, I never picked a target. Like, I would sit there and I would aim everything. And I, it was kind of like the law of attraction, almost. Like, I'm just like, I'm going to think I'm going to hit it there. And I'm going to do everything I can to hit it there. Yep. But I would... So, say the first... Okay, first hole at North Country. Mm-hmm. You look down. Back in the day, when I was probably hitting pretty straight to maybe a slight draw, I typically would play down... Where I'd look at the right of the water, and I almost played at the flagstick because it's a it's a straight down hole, and the flagstick's to the right of the water. 
I usually play down the right side, knowing that if I was to push it slightly, I'd be in the right rough. I never really sliced it much. I push it in the now I do, but like back then, right rough. If I hit my right right ball flight, I would typically have a draw and go down the center of the fairway and it'd be 120, 130 out. Mm-hmm. That was me to a nutshell, number one. I would look at the flag stick, aim there, and try to hit down there and just let my natural flight just bring the ball back a little bit to the left. Mm-hmm. I would never look at anything. The I don't even think on putts I look at a line. You know, some people say like, hey, on a putt. So my putting, I will look at a, look at the green, look at it and kind of assess like where I think the high point's going to be on this and when it's going to start to break. Adjust to the high point, kind of look at it. Okay, it's going to kind of hit here and it's going to kind of break down there. Line up to that point mm-hmm. and then it's kind of weird. I'll stand up, I'll take a practice swing. Then I'll put my putter up, making sure it's lined up to where I want it, like the, the peak basically. Mm-hmm. And I kind of look at the ball or look at the hole and almost track the my intended ball path all the way back to my club. So when I kind of track back, my club face is parallel or perpendicular to where I want to hit it. And then I just focus on just making a very smooth stroke. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm a okay putter i'm not i mean yeah. for being recreational i think my putting is above average compared to like other parts of my game um but yeah long game i just like i pick a target and just let the natural flight just kind of do its thing yep i don't know i mean I, and obviously you play more than i do so you probably are onto something but well it, it's, it's all what you're comfortable with there's no right way to do it um like even like with putting like i like i know you were saying like you never use a clock like correct, yeah. like for for putting like I, I, it now 95% of the time it doesn't happen, but I think it works for me because for whatever reason, like it, say this putt's going to break six inches right to left. Mm-hmm. Like I know that I want this putt to go in the hole at say five o'clock. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. So I'm trying to get the speed correct so that it goes in at five o'clock. If it doesn't go in. Hopefully, I'm missing the high side. So, I just, when I visualize a hole as a clock and where I want the ball to enter the hole, that help. As far as speed goes, that helps me. Okay. It really helps me on short putts. Like, if I have like a three footer, say, like, not all three footers are straight. So, maybe you try to take a little break out of it. Maybe it's a little left to right. Okay. Well, now I want this to go in at seven o'clock. Okay. Yeah. We're like, it's not always, I understand about, it's yeah. not always six o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so I find putting for me is more of a feel thing. Yep. So longer putts for me, it's all feel. I still try to pick where I want it to enter the hole if it's going to go in. And somebody once told me, and I've taken it to heart is, what did they say? Uh, Pick small, miss small. So, like, if say you're hitting a a putt and you're like, well, I want this to go in at 3 o'clock. Well, maybe it goes in at 4. Maybe it goes in at 2. But the room for error there is much less than if you just went up there and whacked it. Oh, I know what you mean. So, the dispersion of the the air is less than the hole. So, it should still go in. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I just... I try to like when I put. I try to take a and, and maybe as I get back into playing, I like I'm thinking how I used to be and how I am now. I I 
putting always for me was a feel thing. It was kind of like, I don't want to say like the Tiger Woods like put to a picture, but it was always it was kind of more like that than it was technical. So yeah, my biggest thing was just put a good roll on the ball, but mm-hmm. just kind of have a starting line and just trust like by feel that I could just kind of feel my way there. And I don't right. know if that's the right way to right. do it. Um, my long game is more technical than my feel, but even my long game, I'm, I'm much of a feel. I'm kind of like, Okay, what's my swing thought? It might just be like, hey, I just want to make sure I hit this position on the backswing mm-hmm. and just go through. And that's kind of where I'm now. It's like just make sure that I, I'm set up and that I have a good backswing, and then my front, my forward swing is just lean into it and just let it go through. And right. sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Then sometimes you start erring, and then it's like, okay, I got to adjust. What my fo- what I got to need to focus on? I mean, very. There was only a couple times in my career playing that I would just play without thinking and i remember one time playing at north country and i thought i shot a 36 it was a twilight round it was one of those evening rounds i think i was probably playing with you mm-hmm. and uh i remember i hit every every fairway and i think i hit every green on the back nine i shot 36 could have been much lower. i just didn't putt made the putts but i was i just remember every time i pulled the driver out i hit the driver as straight as i'd hit a wedge and i just mm-hmm. remember getting up backswing forward swing hit and it was going about two, eh, probably at the time, 235, dead center of the fairway, mm-hmm. every single time. And I probably had a seven, uh, seven, eight, nine pitching wedge sandwich into every hole. Mm-hmm. I, hit, I think I hit every green regulation. Maybe I had a couple up and downs, whatever, but I hit majority of them regulation. And I still got par. And I've never broken par. But I just remember doing that. I was so spot on where if you're like, hey, Gail, get up. I'm like, I, I guarantee I'm going to hit dead center. I'm going to hit right there. And I hit it every single time on yep. a line and that was the only time that i truly felt in golf that i was on which was crazy because like you always have like stuff that works and doesn't work mm-hmm. that was the first time it was like okay you know what i'm just feeling it right now yep was that safe what's that say right there is that five god i'm getting old my eyes are what are we looking at right here up top 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 five percent okay we got five percent battery here which is fine we might lose our telecast i didn't think it was going to drain that much but i guess so oh. my my best golf memory with you. So I don't remember if it was early in the season or late, but it was about 30, well, maybe 40 degrees outside. Okay. We went with you, it was you, your dad, me, and there was one other person. I don't remember who it was. And we're in the car, and it's, it's almost snowing at this point. We're like, we're going to go play golf. And we get like halfway there and your dad's like, so are we going to play 18 or we only want to play nine? It's going to be cold out there. You know, it's going to be wet, windy. And you're like, well, if we're going to the golf course, I'm playing 18 holes. (laughs) Dude, I was so addicted as a kid. Yeah. It was insane. Like, So we we get there and we're going about our round. And I remember on eight, you hit a tee shot. Tee shot was fine. You just kind of stubbled your second shot. You were up around the 200-yard marker, and you at the time, you had an old TaylorMade 3 hybrid, I believe. Yeah, and the rescue. St- and you stuck it. You went, you tapped in for birdie, and you went, and I think you pro- probably parred nine, and you ended up 38, and you're like, nope, we're done. Yeah, we're, really? We're, <laughs> we're out of here. <laughs> That's right. We were, we were all frozen anyway. Like You literally couldn't. Oh, I, was, I was definitely one of those kids, like, back in the day... I wanted to play 18. I was 
like now I'm to the point like I want to be good like anybody else like I want to focus and play good but I'm also one where I'm like I don't play that much I try to practice but I actually bought a mat and a net for my back garage and I've been out a few times uh, the problem is for me it's like it's it's tough for me to like go home right after this and just go hit golf balls so I'm like right. with the kids kids go down I probably will be able to get out there at nine o'clock like do I really want to go hit golf balls for a half hour at nine o'clock at night right. sometimes I do sometimes I don't um so I probably I haven't hit out there probably in a week and a half. I went a few couple weeks where I hit probably four times. It makes a difference though, when at least if you're not you're not falling a flight, but at least just like swinging, right? And having like the muscles fire and feel like the club in your hand, right? So my goal is to go out a couple times, not often, but like once or twice a week, hit, swing a couple golf, just clubs, just hit into a net, mm-hmm. and then I'm really hoping that come. Um, the two the things I'm working on is come golf season, whatever, that I can increase my club head speed mm-hmm. and just my body awareness to hit a golf ball. And it might be I might have to make adjustments, obviously, based on what the flight would be. But have basically the main mechanics down. So when I go to the course, my goal is that I can probably start golf in say late April. Mm-hmm. And I can go out and my ball striking is solid enough that I could probably hack my way around in the first first set to break 90 mm-hmm. knowing that okay let me just kind of go to the range once or twice a week work on my ball flight work on my chipping a little bit when i'm playing mm-hmm. and get down to where i could say hey I could tee it up the chances i break 80 is like 50 50 or even 75 25 i break 80 that's my goal for this coming year mm-hmm. i think you can do it it's just like it you know, like i said it takes time you want to practice it and stuff but just larry mice look at this guy He's gonna make the buttery game. smooth, two twenty out on the on the 18th hole. Rolls it up, gets Uh-oh. up and down, gets his par. I mean, these old champions, like old guys, not like I'm not counting like Bubba Watson as an old right. dude, but like guys are like on the champion store status, coming back and playing and being even. It's pretty impressive. Hope he gets that up and down and play the weekend. True, that's pretty cool. Xander's good. Yes, he could win it. Yep. Well, he won the U.S. Open or the no, PGA. No, that was Colin Morikawa. Yes. Okay. There's three guys that I they all look alike. Yeah, definitely those two for sure. They both got kind of like darker skin. Mm-hmm. Like whatever they are, they're probably like I always call them Pacific Islanders. Remember, you used to fill out like the, the Regents or you Pacific Islander. Everybody just kind of like joked around. They thought it was like a legit thing. Yep. Obviously, it wasn't. Um, but. Yeah, Tagger, the man. Mm-hmm. All right, Steve-O. Mm-hmm. You want in there? We're good. We're doing good. 253, I didn't realize, but you know, that's what we have. We have a couple of drinks, and the Masters is on. Yep. This really could go much longer, folks, but we're going to save you. I don't even know what we talked about today. A lot of golf. Golf, Europe. Golf in Europe. Changing out your clothes, folks. Do it more often than I do, because I don't do a good job with it. Yep. Um, anything else, Steve-O, you want to touch on? Nope, we're we're good. I don't know. We might hypothetically we might do a Sunday Masters, which if you want potentially, I got to I got to see Alex coming. Jared Burns said he's in. Ryan Lee's on the fence. Don't know Bryce Hansen potentially. Yep. Um, basically, just come and watch what we're doing now. Basically, it's kind of the same podcast, just like five guys, four yep. or five guys. Let me know. I can. Uh, I might be able to be a late addition. Uh, I got youth hockey practice at 11. So. This actually works good. We were trying to get a TV, but to be honest, if I just plug this in and watch on this, we're, we're fine. Right. 
Yeah. It's easy. I just got to figure out a place to put it. Probably like here. Four guy. Yeah, we can make. We even talk about this tournament. No. What do we got? What? Do, we might actually just just a sec. Give me give me your thoughts. What do we got for? Is that two? Is that three? Three. Jeez. Okay. Steve-O, give us. Our, it's, we're not gonna sign off yet. Not not yet. Not yet. What time have we got? Four. No, we're good. Okay. Give me your thoughts on that tournament, Steve-O, Before I'm gonna plug this in really quick. Give me your thoughts on the For the Kids Charity Golf Classic. It was your first year playing. Yep. You were also the highest ranked player in the field. Yeah. It was great. Uh, I do want another shot at Ryan Lee, though. He went three and zero against me. So. Um, no, it was good to see people that I haven't seen in a while. Uh, good to meet new people. Craig DeBoose is a great guy. Great guy. Played my first round with him. Um, funny as all hell. Just very down to earth. Just great guy to be around. Very Aussie. Right. He, he, he's one of the guys, I think, if you had to say, like, who actually... Not, he cared. He was definitely a guy that wanted to care. Uh, but he's also one of the guys that didn't care, meaning like he just wanted to have fun. Mm -hmm. He was there for the good reasons, which is why we love uh, Craiger. Yep. Um, what you play with? I played... Well, yeah, you I played with Ryan every single round. I played three rounds against Ryan. I played two rounds with Mike Rao. And then I played with Amel. Amel is actually... You played two with Matt Craig. No, one. No, two. Oh, two with, yeah, yeah, okay. Two with Matt so, Craig, so the, three with Ryan the, the Lee, singles, and one with Yep. Yep. Um, Amel, for not playing much golf, is, he's good. <laughs> so so this is the thing. So Amel, late edition, we kind of, like, threw, we were kind of figuring out. The thing is, this was pretty much, a couple of us had thrown out names mm -hmm. of who we thought, like, who would play. So a lot of these guys I played a lot of golf with. Some of them, the, uh. To be honest, the Amels, the, let me see, the uh, Alec Adnaha, I would say the Megan Strong. These are the ones that got in that weren't like people that we originally had, but kind of were like, I haven't really played much with in brainstorming. Like, what I kept hearing about Amel was Amel was for playing three, four times ever. Yeah. He was not bad. No, not bad at all. Like we, so we played alternate shot together, and it, it worked out perfect. So, you know, however, like he really didn't miss a shot. He didn't hit it far, but it wasn't out of play. It wasn't. It was always in a decent position. So he kind of had like a senior woman's kind of swing. Like they're not going to swing fast, so they're not yeah. put a lot of side spin. So it's always going to be yeah safe. Yep. No drop shots. Yep. So the the thing with Amel is Amel was, he was one of the guys he said like, hey, I'll play. I'm not very good. And the whole point is obviously with handicaps and stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, there, we had a little bit of issues with handicaps, but not much. And the fact yeah. that they won, our team lost, they won eight and a half to seven and a half, where if it was eight to eight, our team would have won as defending champs. Hmm. To find out that it was a half a point, which is crazy. Because I know your match, like, had you not missed, like one of you guys missed a putt on the last hole, yeah, and I know so, it was like a. So when we were in alternate shot, I actually I missed the putt. I had like five feet. So you guys were tied going into the the eighteenth hole. Correct. Yep. And I had like a five footer that turned just a little bit. I remember vividly a little left to right, and I missed it on the high side. And then Matt Craig had like three feet, but he had two putts to win, so he hit his first one, and he had like six inches or whatever it was. So he 
gave it to him. We probably shouldn't have looking back, but it's like basically a tap in. So they won because of the handicap. They got the one up, but you said it was like a 10 versus 10 or something. You guys like both butchered the whole. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the thing, like I look at ideas like that, like had you made that putt, we would have won. I mean, this could have go for so right. many things, but like right. you go back, like we were that close to like a putt going in for somebody would have won it. So right. at the end of the day, the fact that it was that close in a tournament that we were doing for the first time with handicaps, we kind of, some of the guys we didn't even know. Yeah. I think it was pretty legit. So oh, it was great. The fact that you got to the singles and everybody was tied was kind of cool. Yeah. And then Ryan just played very well in the singles. That's what you said, yeah. We, we both, I, I mean, I don't think, the the match was over by eight. Um, nine, he ended up playing because he was, he said he had almost a record round going. I think he ended up shooting like 37 or 38. So the thing with, I played a lot of golf with Brian this year. The thing with him, I've seen him shoot, I've seen him shoot in a nine hole, like 37. Yeah. But I've also seen him shoot a 46. Right. So, like, when he was, like, figuring out his handicap, he's like, this is kind of... I think we gave him a 13, mm-hmm. which might have been slightly... The problem is, 13 wasn't bad because I've seen him shoot rounds kind of in that range. Mm-hmm. I guess now, because this is some of the stuff with, like, handicaps. I called you about this before the tournament. Like, what do you want to do for handicaps? Like, yeah. the thing is, if you have 13... In a match play and stroke play, technically the stroke play would be a little bit higher than the match play. Right. So Ryan has a 13. I guess maybe we could have said he was maybe a 10 yep. in this format. So you should, uh, just for next year, if you want to do it, take the take the USGA guidelines. Yeah. You can go by that. Because each format has its own handicap. So you, you come up with a whole number for everybody before you start. Mm-hmm. So we'll say uh, we're playing best ball matches. Mm-hmm. Um, because the likelihood of a tie is better than a win, just because of everybody's kind of playing their own ball and there's two guys in each team, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think the USGA recommends using like 80%. Okay. Whereas at the end, the last match, you were playing singles, it's 1v1 straight up, then you would get full handicap. Yeah. So, so the way I looked at it, and I did some... The four ball, four some single, they're all different. I basically went at the four ball, everybody adjusts their score based off the best player. So yep. Mike Rao was playing off of your handicap. Right. I think still got... He got one or two. Well, I think, I think he got he, one. I think he would have got two strokes over 18 mm-hmm. or three strokes, but he got one because the second and third hardest handicap hole were on the back nine, hypothetically. Right. Right. So he got one stroke. Even though you were his playing partners, he still got one stroke relative to you. Right. So... And I did some research on that. That's how it's supposed to be done. Four mm-hmm. sums are the same thing. You add them up. Like you and I, Mel, I think actually. No, you didn't because because Matt had bad handicap too. So like, Mel and Matt kind of cancel each other out, and you and Ryan. So you were still giving strokes, mm-hmm. but then you took half of the strokes, mm-hmm. and then the singles were straight up. The, the The problem was though, again, in my head, a forty handicap, and I could be wrong on this. A 40 handicap versus you as a three at the time. Is it fair that you give 37 strokes to them in a match play versus stroke play? The reason I say this is because we played the front nine, first nine. It was me, um, Jared Burns, who were we dropped we dropped down from like a 20 down to a 15. Like it's not fair. I don't feel comfortable with the 20. I want to go down to a 15. So I lowered my 
I basically put myself at a disadvantage. I took less strokes. I just like, I thought it was more fair. Because part of it is the handicaps are perceived what you could shoot, not necessarily your average, but what you are capable of shooting. Right. So, yeah, we played like, like this year the USGA. What is the your best eight scores of twenty? Yeah, so it's, you, your, you, it's higher is forty percent basically. Right. It used to be top ten. They dropped it down to forty or down to eight. eight, and they I don't know what the formulas they use, but yeah. So if you think that our first match is me and Jared at fifteen playing Matt and uh, Joel at forty, so it was is ev- very equal. Like we were giving them the same amount of strokes, but we were giving them a stroke a hole every hole, and some holes we were giving them two strokes. So me and Jared had, I went, the last three holes, I went one under to win it. And we were, we, I went par bogey, par, sorry, par birdie par. Mm-hmm. And I believe Matt and Joel, Joel actually probably could have got a few more strokes because he even admitted, like when we talked to him, we should have went a little bit higher. But Matt on number eight, Hit it pin high to like 20 feet. I hit it right of the green, pin high, just mm-hmm. a little bit above. It was down below the ridge. I hit it above the ridge in the right rough. I hit an okay shot, but pushed it. Matt hit this draw to like 20 feet pin high. Mm-hmm. We were up one at the time. I'm like, this is great. We're going to lose this hole. We're going to go to 18, 8, where they're getting two strokes on a very easy hole. Most likely lose it because one of us will par, but they just have to double or birdie. Or they have to bogey and they'll beat us. Mm-hmm. Not even push, but beat us. And then we might be able to pull a stroke off at nine, but we're not – like this is my head. I'm like we're not going to be able to go win, win, and win this thing. We're going to probably lose and probably have to win nine just to break even. Mm-hmm. I went up. I hit this flop kind of shot, pitch, whatever, high, landed the top of the hill, rolled down, caught the slope at like just enough speed – Went by, went by the hole, twenty five feet. Hmm. I couldn't get any hole. Like I literally couldn't have hit a better shot. I hit yep. it perfect, exactly how I like. I'm like, well, at least I hit it well. I get up. I'm still way beyond Matt's ball. Matt's like putting for birdie still. I'm. Tr- I have a 25, 30 foot putt for par. I drain it. Mm-hmm. So now I got a par. I'm like, Matt's still getting a stroke. So he has to two putt for the victory. He four putts, <laughs> and we win it. And so we won it. We went on number eight. He doubled number eight. I hit a terrible drive. I was sh- I hit it down the middle, 180 yards. I mishit it. I blasted a three wood down to like 70 yards. Mm-hmm. I hit a wedge to 15 feet, and I drained the birdie putt. So I birdied it. We won that. So we ended up winning three and one because we kept the, the one whole stroke. But I'm saying like the problem was on that because on number three – Jared, I think, parred it, but Matt took it like a 10. So the f- there's five strokes, but on one hole. So it's a one-hole match play victory, but it's a five-hole stroke play. Mm-hmm. So ideally, that's the problem, I think, with stroke play to match play is that you are putting so many strokes on one hole where you're going to lose multiple strokes on a hole, but you're only going to lose a stroke, a, a hole, not all the strokes. Right. So that's the thing i got to look at next year because some of these, I'm like, listen, I know you're a 40, 45, 36, whatever handicap. But we're gonna have to do something where it's probably eighty percent, but least. Yeah. But it, overall, we got pretty darn close. Right. So we're not like. And, I, and and don't get me wrong, I'm very competitive, but that's not really what it was about either. 
No, and we raised a ton of money. Right. I always look at like I'm always one of those people like, hey, we raised money. That was the goal, great. But yep. then I'm like, perfect, we did it. So what did we didn't do correctly? And that's what I always focus on, which is yep. like I think human nature. One of them was the stroke play at or the some the hand, but overall the handicap was good considering. Yeah. Out of sixteen people, you, Mike, and Alec, I think were the only three that had established. And Forrest, I think, had established handicaps. Four people. Yep. So you talk about a quarter of the field actually had established their handicap, and everybody else was just kind of like, well, I. I mean, I shot no, ninety once, and I shot you know. So we were just picking yeah. and choosing. So. No, that's uh, no. It was just it was really good. Like I, do you think you'd play in it next year? Hundred percent. Yeah, everybody I've asked has literally said hundred percent. Oh, yeah. So I think what we're gonna do next year, we've we've done some things. I've talked about this. If you're a listener, I'm sorry we're saying it again. I think we're gonna just invite the sixteen people back and see how many of the sixteen will get back. Mm-hmm. The only change I think I'm going to make to the format is we might open it up to 20, uh, 12 and 12 instead of 8 yeah. and 8, which is the Ryder Cup. Yep. Um, probably keep the same format next year. Mm-hmm. The one-day, three-set match, but we'll just have a few more, um, basically, two more four balls, two more foursomes, four mm-hmm. more singles. Yep. And then yep. get a little more points on the board. Or you could do it like a real Ryder Cup. We thought, I don't think we'll do that next year. I think we're going to open up the field a bit. Yep. I think we're two to three years away from turning this into a multi-day event. Well, yeah. Well, that would be great too. But uh, I could do like a, like, I don't know, maybe your singles matches are very important for the tournament and you're trying to win. So maybe, well, of course, everybody plays in singles. Don't guys sit out for... They do. One, one of the reasons we didn't add more people is we didn't want anybody to sit out. Okay. So we want everybody to play. So the thing is, if we bring on... Technically, we bring on 12 players. You would only have four matches, but the way they do in Ryder Cup is you would have an extra day of the four. Right. So we took out a full... We basically tried to cram in a day, obviously making these nine-hole matches, not 18. Right. But we took away a, a whole wave of foursome, a whole wave of four ball, and in theory, we took away four singles matches. Mm-hmm. So if we add in four more players, or eight more players, four per side... We're actually only eliminating two four ball and two foursome matches, but all the singles stay the same. And then we change it from eighteen down to nine. Mm-hmm. So really, you're getting pretty close to the pretty close to the actual Ryder Cup. Anybody that played this year would not play any more or less than they played this year compared to next year. We mm-hmm. would just have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight more points up for grabs. Right. No, so this this was great. I love the format. Well, was... we're not going to change the format. So that's the big thing. We're, we're never going to go to like a scramble. We're always going to keep it. Ryder Cup because that nobody plays this so like when right. you get to play it that's why we had fun it's like oh great another scramble like hey I'm, I'm just gonna skip it I played eight this year I'm mm-hmm. done this thing they're like dude I'm pumped for this because the only time a year I get to play in a match play. yep so we're always gonna keep this I think this is gonna grow I'm pumped um yep. you did great I'm, next year you'll be in the uh I want singles against Ryan Lee next year I could probably make that happen I'm captain so there we go we also talked about who do we keep from next year we thought about that. Do we just automatically, almost like a fantasy team, you get to keep like half your players mm-hmm. and then half of it gets lost in the shuffle? Part of me says we were so close this year. Do we just keep this? If all 16 are in, you guys cool with just playing, replaying this thing and just do it again? Yeah. Because this might be our team. We might roll with this team for a while. So. Perfect. Uh, all right. Um, well, uh, anything else you want in there? Well, I just want to shout out to Ryan if he's listening. Be prepared because next year we're coming. One, two. He beat you all four matches. Three matches, yeah. You didn't win a point. Nope. That's why we lost. So. Any better players? No, I'm just kidding. I lost. I lost two of the three. Well, I didn't realize you lost all three. I was counting the guys that won all three. Adam Scarf won all three. Ryan Lee, Ryan Lee won all uh, all three. Um, 
Alex Odenhoff for my team won all three. Jared Burns for my team won all three. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize anybody like who lost all three matches. Oh yeah. Wow. I want, I'd have I, to do the stats on that. I was two. I was one and two. I I want my rematch. How did Coda do? Coda got a one. Okay. I don't know why I'm picking on Coda. The boost. Some of these guys I didn't see like. Forrest, I thought, won everyone, but he lost the middle one. So didn't DeBoost, but DeBoost picked up two wins. Okay, well, that's good. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it. Episode 104 uh, of the Gale and Trombley Show. Stephen LeBombard, always a good time. I think that's it. Yeah, we'll Thanks do it again. Me. Perfect. For sure. And we're out. Thanks for listening to the Gale and Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Gale and Trombley, on Instagram at Gale and Trombley, and on YouTube at Gale and Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N, T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.